Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 244 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of Sifted, and here we are on a Tuesday, a little later than we had originally planned. Uh, my awesome co-host, Matt Kyle, had some things he had to take care of today. Matt, you just got yourself a new pet, right? Yep, there's a new cat in the house. Um, can't show her yet. She's still in isolation in the other ba- in the other bathroom until she has a clean bill of health. But I had to take her and my other cat to the vet today and get some vaccinations and some blood tests, and we'll see that they're all okay. And we'll be but, meeting your new friend next week on the show, right? Prob- probably next week. She will probably she's a uh, she's much uh, clingier than my other cat, so she will probably be in here during the during the shows. I would imagine from now on. She also likes to. Uh, rub the laptop while I'm <laughs> on it. So you probably see a black cat wandering around. I hear some purring in the mic a little bit here and there too as well. Maybe. <laughs> well, I'll say this. This has been an insane week, just in general, but also in games. We have an awesome show for you guys this week, uh, full of crazy topics, uh, a couple really cool games, one that was a huge surprise that came out of nowhere and we got to play it. Um, so we have lots of good stuff for you guys. Um, Sifted is supported 100% by Patreon. Uh, so if you're listening to the show on any of the podcast services out there, uh, and I just got stats for Google Podcasts, and there are a lot of you. Uh, I was really pleasantly surprised to see how many people are listening to the show on Google Podcasts. So if you're there, if you're at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you're checking out the show and you want to support us, head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. And again... We're supported 100% by uh, basically donations from people who enjoy the show. So head on over there and help us in any way you can. We appreciate every single dollar. Uh, Matt, this has been a bonkers week for video games, seemingly really out of nowhere. Usually the middle of January, there's not a lot of big stuff happening, but some announcements happened, and then an announcement was repealed. Lots of crazy, crazy stuff going on. And in the midst of all that, we had a huge milestone at Sifted this week. Sifted hit... 100,000 pieces of content that are now in our system uh, being sifted by our database, by your your sift settings to give you guys all a custom feed. 100,000 pieces of content are now being considered every time you render your sift. It's amazing. Every single one of those was hand curated by a human being. There are no bots working on Sifted. We, it's all humans looking at every single piece of content, deciding whether it should be added to the site or not, then ranked, then categorized. Then you guys give us your ranks, and then we give you a custom feed of content. You can't get it anywhere else. It's been hilarious. In my Twitter feed lately, um, I've been getting ads from, I think, TikTok. And like their big <laughs> thing is like custom feeds. And I'm like, bro, we did that five years ago. But it just goes to show you, five years now, the site's been running There still is another gaming website that's even anything like Sifted or does anything like what Sifted does. So I'm very proud of this accomplishment. It also shows that what we built, um, a human being can get a lot done with our admin. And it was built that way from the beginning to make sure we can maximize our time. Uh, But I just want to thank everyone who has ever curated for us. We've had lots of people come and go. Uh, Wario64 was one of our first curators. Uh, He's been gone for a while now, but I want to thank him. But above and beyond everyone, 
I want to thank Vincent Borchardt. He is a curation warrior. Uh, without him, we never would have hit 100K. It just wouldn't have happened. Uh, I want to thank Bentley, Burko, Thiesch. Uh There's just tons of people who have jumped in for maybe just for Gamescom and E3. Or if maybe I was going to be out of town for a little bit, they jumped in and helped. Uh, I just want to thank every single person who was ever in our admin curating anything. Without you guys, it never would have happened. So I'm very proud of this accomplishment. 100,000. Think about that. That's insane that we've managed to do this. I'm very happy about it, um, and it's a big milestone for us. And thanks to all you guys, obviously, for supporting us uh, initially through our on-site subscription system, which a lot of you guys are still on, I would add. Um, and then all the there are a lot still on our old subsystem who never moved to Patreon. Um, and then everybody on Patreon who has supported us for the last three and a half years that we've been on Patreon. Uh, without you guys, the site wouldn't have, wouldn't have lasted, and we never would have hit this milestone either. So it's a, it's a sifted army effort. It took all of us to make it happen. Uh, thanks to anybody who supported us in any way uh, throughout this crazy journey that we've been on. Also today... I'm rocking our other new shirt. Let me get out of, out of the way of the mic here so you guys can see it. First time I've worn this on Game Face. This is the I Got Next t-shirt. And uh, this is just a little throwback from my childhood when I would go to the arcades and uh, wait my turn to play Street Fighter 2 or any other game that I played. Uh, you get in line and you put your quarters up right on the cabinet. And there was a row of quarters there. And as one person lost, you take the next quarter, put it in, next man up. Um, and... I don't know why, but that has just had a huge impact on me throughout my life. It's something that I've always thought about and how we just kind of, as a tribe of gamers, we kind of figured out our own way to manage the arcades. Um, I just like the whole aesthetic of it. So we made shirts. And I will say this. We did make one of these shirts that actually had Pactor's head on one of the coins <laughs> instead of the Sifted logo. Um, but I talked to Pactor about it, and he's like, I don't want to get into like the whole like licensing thing and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we ended up rolling with the, the Sifted coin instead of Pac's head. I have talked to Pac about getting a shirt made that is related to Pactor Factor, because on YouTube, it's all about Pactor Factor. On the site, it's all about Game Phase. YouTube, Pactor Factor. Uh, but he's just not into it. He's like, I don't want to go through like all the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I just want you guys to know that I've tried uh, to get Pactor involved in our merch, but uh, and I totally understand why he's just not down with it. So anyway, here we are for Game Phase 244. Like I said, we have a great episode for you guys. Big games, big stories, and a lot of topics. Um, I'm guessing we're going to fill out our full three hours. So I hope you guys had dinner already. Uh, obviously, this episode is coming in a little later than usual, um, but I hope you guys have already had your dinner. And uh, you guys are kicking up your feet, ready to uh, just enjoy some good conversation about games for the next couple hours. And that is exactly what we're here to do. I am running the TriCaster myself again today. Um, Jared could not be here. I think he'll be here next week, but I'm not 100% sure. One thing I do know is we will do the show at 1 p.m. next week instead of 5 p.m. Um, so we'll be back on our normal time. And that's when we're going to be rolling on Game Face for the rest of 2021, Tuesday at 1 p.m. Um, but anyway, we don't have a whole, whole lot of time to dilly-dally. we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, we're going to kick things off with a big surprise, I felt. Not that we found out about the game and then this other little offshoot game, but the fact that we actually got a demo of that game. And that game is Resident Evil Village. Not only did they finally show us the game, the game, Matt, in full, pretty much. They showed us a big kind of trailer and some of the first real gameplay. 
Um, they put up a demo on the PlayStation 5 store that people could play. Just shadow dropped right there during the presentation for Resident Evil Village. Matt, have you had a chance to play it? No. In fact, I didn't even know that happened. Like, you didn't uh, know until just this moment that that happened? Yeah. I did not know that. I, it's been a busy week. But, Apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, I've seen, I saw the, the stuff on Twitter, and I saw the, the trailers, and I saw Reverse and all that, but I didn't know they put a playable demo up. Yeah. The, well, I'll say this. It wasn't very long. <laughs> no. It literally, I mean, even with fig, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do, I still finished the demo, I think, in like 18 minutes or something like that. So... You could tell it was kind of hastily thrown together, um, and it wasn't like an important chunk of the game. It does kind of introduce you to the antagonist for the game, um, which is the gigantic lady that everyone seems to be completely infatuated with, and her daughters. I don't know if they're her daughters or if they're just demons that are under her control. Her daughters or spawn or spawn or or whatever. Servants. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, And we're actually able to show you some footage on Game Face of Resident Evil Village for the first time. Uh, We captured this footage ourselves. They cannot issue a copyright strike for this. We're able to show you Village on Game Face for the first time. Um, And then here's the thing, Matt. What was it that I said about Village that had me really excited for it? Do you remember? Um, No. You don't? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's not the giant vampire lady. I don't know what's exciting about this game. Okay. that's, That's what I'm in for. Well, it was the fact that it appeared to be that it was set in more of a rural setting like Resident mm-hmm. Evil 4. And it was gonna, wasn't going to be another urban Resident Evil game that mostly took place in a mansion once you kind of made your way to the mansion through the city. Well, right. Matt... Getting, getting out of Raccoon City has definitely helped the game, uh, the, the series in the past. It has. And, and I'll say this. This is out of Raccoon City. It's not set in Raccoon City. But the demo starts in the basement of a mansion. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like... Really? This is the Mm. thing that I kind of hung my hat on for this game, and here I am playing the demo, and I'm already in a mansion. Uh, But you, go ahead. I I will say that um, I I guess it's partly because it's not VR anymore. But I have been uh, a little surprised at how good it looks. Um, Like I've been impressed visually by the game in a way that I was not expecting to after seven. Um, So that's good. That's the main striking thing I know, because like you say, the mansion, I was like, oh, yeah, it was a very nice house that, that, that <laughs> a lot of the, the footage I saw was in. Now, it was um, a PS5 only. So keep in mind yeah. that any footage that you've seen is captured from PlayStation 5. So you would hope it would look good. Um, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I was not that impressed with the visuals in this. It is running I mean, I'm not on... impressed by the visuals in like kind of the context of PS5, but I'm impressed by the context of what the last game looked like. Yep. Um, And they did announce some new information, and some of that information will probably explain why it maybe doesn't look as good as it could on PS5, and that's because it's a cross-gen game. Mm -hmm. We had actually heard rumblings about that towards the end of last year, but it was one of those rumor stories that was from a reliable Capcom source, and I think we may have talked about it on the show, but it's one of those things that you don't hang your hat on it so much. You're like, you put it in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, we'll wait and see. And as it turns out, we waited and we saw, and it is a cross-gen game. Um, And I do think it holds the game back a little bit, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Yeah, but I think that's going to be pretty standard for at least the next year. Like, it's just you can't leave all that money on the table from the previous gen's install base, especially with how much games cost to make now. Yep. 
And then the other big thing was its release date. It is coming out on May 7th on all those platforms, um, which is a big task for a game. But it seems like this game has been in development for quite a while. Um, to have a demo ready that mm. far ahead of its release. If it's that length, it feels like maybe that was originally a, ga- a demo that was going to be prepared for like a show or something. Mm-hmm. And hey, guys, one note before we keep going on with the show. Let me know how the audio levels are. Um, it's hard for me to tell if Matt and I are even when I'm doing this here. So if Matt's too loud or I'm too loud, just let me know in the chat. And uh, some, some people tweaking. were saying there was an echo. There was or there still is? I don't know. It's been a few minutes. Huh. I think maybe I had the volume up in my headphones a little too high. Maybe they were hearing the headphones coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I did turn it down, so I don't know if that fixed it or not. If it doesn't fix it, I honestly don't know what the echo will be coming from. So <laughs> I hope it does. Um, the hype train's already at level six. What is going on here? Hmm. Oh my gosh. You guys are going crazy. Uh, Lesteva says the sound is perfect. Okay. Not hearing the echo now. Okay, so that's what it was. You guys were hearing Matt or, or me through my headphones. So that's all good. Let's just talk about some freaking Resident Evil. Um, so I will say this, Matt. I was a little disappointed in this. It is a very simple demo. Um, you wake up in a dungeon. Um, you, you crawl on the floor out of your cell into another cell. And then you start looking around for items. Um, and you find, like, a screwdriver, you find bolt cutters, you use the bolt cutters to cut a chain, cut chains off a couple doors, then you get the screwdriver, then you take the screwdriver up to the entrance of sort of the dungeon, and you use it to jimmy the lock, and you get out, and then you go upstairs. And it is very Resident Evil, very, like, throwback Resident Evil, I would add, too, um, because it is kind of this, at least what's in this demo, is all the old school, find this thing, figure out where to use it. You may or may not have to manipulate the object to figure out how to use it. Um, Then you use it, it unlocks a new door, you go in through the door, and then there's another puzzle that you have to figure out. Uh, There's no action per se in this. You you don't get weapons, you can't really attack, you don't ever get a gun or anything like that. But towards the end of the demo, a little something happens, so to speak. Uh, not the least of which, obviously, is you meet the big lady. But then some other things happen, too, that you end up seeing in this B-roll. Um, and I'll just say this. We are running the whole B-roll, uh, the entire demo. It's been out now for a bunch of days. Um, I don't feel like it's too spoilerific. The other thing, too, is that there's no plot details in this demo. It doesn't do any. Like It doesn't say anything. It just comes up from black, and you're laying on a cell floor. So there's no context for how you got there what's happening, Uh, you just make your way out of the dungeon and then head up into the house, and uh, then the sequence of events kind of triggers itself. Um, And look, I'm not saying this is a bad-looking game by any stretch, but I do think that this is what we're going to see a lot for the first year or two, although maybe longer now that I think about it, of these new consoles is our developers straddling both sides of the fence and creating games that are going to scale across both PS4 and PS5, or both Xbox One and Xbox Series. Um, And I think sometimes you're going to get kind of a lowest common denominator look. And this game doesn't look bad, but you compare this game to something like a Ratchet & Clank, or even like a Horizon Forbidden West or something like that, it's not quite up to scratch. But it does look good. Uh, The character models look good as well, the ones that you do get to see in this. And the atmosphere is really good too. So when I first played this, when we capture footage, we always turn down the background music because it makes it much easier to use that footage in edit. Um, Because if you're going to use background music in your edit, 
and you have music in the footage already, it's basically what's called a train wreck in the DJ world, where you have two songs playing at the same time, and they're clashing with each other. So when we record footage, we turn down the background music, and then that gives us clean footage to use in any edit that we'd want to use it in. Um, and so I did that for this. When I first played it, I turned down the music, and I finished the demo, and I was like, I never really felt on edge or scared at all. Even though visually the stuff that was happening, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Then I played it again, and it was much easier because I knew what to do, and I turned the background music on. And it's really amazing, Matt, what a difference background music makes to a horror game. It's It completely changed it. It's really bizarre. And I do this all the time. Usually games... It's not like that. Like, if I do it with, like, Assassin's Creed or, like, Immortals Phoenix Rising, like, it adds a little flavor to the game. And a lot of times the music will help put you in the setting, especially with, like, Assassin's Creed because it's set in different parts of the world. Um, but really, it doesn't drive kind of the mood of the game. But, man, in this game, the music changed everything. I was like, wow. Because I wasn't getting, like, the stabs, like, the, the jump scare, like, stabs that you're supposed to get. And so, like... At the end of this, somebody makes an appearance, and it didn't have the impact it was supposed to have the first time I played through it. And look, this is just one of the travails of working in the industry. A lot of times when you're grabbing footage, you don't get to experience the game the way you would really should in a lot of cases, or really the way that you want to at a base level. Um, so I went back, and because it was so short and I knew what to do, I played it again. I literally finished it in like seven minutes or something like that the second time. So what's here is not very robust. I think it does give you a rough idea of what the final game is going to be like. It does introduce you to the antagonist, which is important. Um, but I, I'm hoping that it's not very representative of the final game, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I'm well, how does it compare to 7? It's It feels like an old Resident Evil instead of Resident Evil 7, honestly. Mm. Um, other than the folks that you end up running into in the mansion, uh, they fit more with RE7 than the old Resident Evils because they're not really, they're not zombies. Um, They're like witches, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one part of the demo, you go into this one room, you find a goblet, you examine the goblet, you find a ring in the goblet. Um, When you take the ring out, and before you'd already discovered that there's like an eyeball missing on this door, and the ring is an eyeball. So you're like, oh, I need to take this ring up to that thing and put it in there, and it'll open the door. So when you go back out of that room and start going up to use the ring, you see, like, this witch or whatever she is walking up the stairs. And then, you obviously, I slowed down and was, like, just kind of creeping behind her. And she kind of turns a corner and then just disappears into, like, bats. Um, And so I'm not sure that this is, like, about zombies or a typical, like, T-virus. It appears that, like, witchcraft is a big part of it. I mean, obviously, lycanthropes, uh, werewolves are a big part of it as well. So it, it should have a different flavor, but what you actually play in this demo does not. It has a very similar vibe to the old Resident Evil games. And again, if you have a PS5, you can download this and play it right now. I do not know how long the demo is going to stay up there. Um, but I know it's still there right now, and you can go download it and you can play it for yourself. There's not a lot of, a lot of wiggle room in the demo where you can kind of try other stuff and like milk more time out of it. It's very linear. There's a very set kind of set of things that you have to do in order to complete the demo um and there's like you can see there's a couple things you can look at um, but other than that pretty much you got to complete each objective in the exact order watch the triggered cutscenes until you reach the conclusion of it so 
I guess I would say, Matt, after playing the demo, I'm a little less excited for the game, but I'm also not so deluded that I would think that this is really any kind of a representation for it. So um, I was I was hoping that the demo would be a little more like what they've shown of the game so far instead of being kind of a throwback bit. At the same time, I can kind of understand why Capcom would do that. Um, it seems to me most people were okay with RE7, but I do know a lot of people who are big, big Resident Evil fans that did not like it. I think Mitch was one of them, actually. He's a huge Yeah, Mitch did not like it. I have never played Resident Evil 7 because I think it just looks like garbage. Uh, it's so opposite of what I want from a Resident Evil. I mean, I've thought, of, I've thought about actually playing it because I did get it in the, you know, the, the PlayStation Plus PS5, you know, that they put up the 20 games or whatever for, you know, for PS5 launch. Yep. And that's in there. So I could just play it. I'm, I'm thinking about just playing it before this one comes out, just so I know what I'm what I'm comparing it to because it's still, you know, it's still a sequel to seven more than a it lot is. of other things. Yeah, you play, so, oh, I should have mentioned, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You play as the same lead character yeah. as Resident Evil 7. And they know you. Um. <laughs> but I, but I, what I will say about what I've seen of, of eight in this week is, um, I mean, I, I am, I'm right there with the internet uh, as a big fan of the giant vampire lady. Um, and the main part, not just because, you know, not because, I mean, there's a lot of like weird fetishism going on around that. But yeah. my thing is like, <laughs> this is the first glimmer of charisma I've seen from Resident Evil since like four. Yeah. Like it's the first time in probably 15 years I've seen a character in a Resident Evil game that I was like, oh, I want to know more about that character. Like it's not since like a couple of the Resident Evil four people, like the, the little Napoleon guy was sort of a similar yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I want Shalazar, to wasn't it? Or Salazar. Salazar. That's right. Yeah, yeah Salazar. <laughs> yeah. Like not like Resident Evil has really lacked outside of the main characters. Like, I mean, obviously Wesker I like and stuff, but outside, uh-huh. outside of the main characters, I've really felt like they've struggled to introduce anything or anyone who like captured any imagination or had any real verve. No, you're right. And I can't think giant of a vampire character. lady fucking does it. Like <laughs> it's she's I don't know what she's about, but I want to know. Like, I, w- I want to find out what, she, what her deal is, which I haven't said about Resident Evil in a long, long time. So mission accomplished on that one. Yep. Um, so I would agree with that. The, there has not been an iconic character. There wasn't one in five, six, or seven. Um, no, the most iconic character in six is the boulder. Yeah. And in seven, Chris punches. Now I will say this: like I do remember the Bakers, the family from Resident Evil. Yeah, 7. like as a concept, I remember the the family from Seven. Obviously, even though I haven't played it, and I know what they are because they're from you know they're the Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of yep. hills have eyes trope sort of thing, yep. um, which was a new it's it's new territory for Resident Evil, but it's not new horror territory. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that was sort of the it, it was. Resident, not that, not that I'm saying Resident Evil Six was any kind of masterpiece because it certainly wasn't. Um, but like Seven took it in a weird di- direction that I didn't really recognize as Resident Evil, uh, which is fine. Like you can reinvent things as much as you want; it works out real well sometimes. Look at God of War. But like the problem was that it, it they tried to reinvent it through a trope that I find to be one of the most tired horror conventions in the genre. I just don't care about the weird family in an abandoned in the in the remote cabin kind of thing you know yeah like this is not a thing that fires my imagination um i'm not saying it's bad i'm I, you know, I i you know clearly there's a market for it it sold very well and people like it but like it just wasn't for me uh this is much more along the lines of uh what i a reinvent you know this is still not just straight resident evil but it's a reinvention that i sit up and take more notice of it's just more interesting to me like what they're doing here because in part because i don't know how to connect 
the giant vampire lady and the witch turning into bats with the usual Resident Evil thing of viruses causing mutants to arise. You know, like, I don't know if they're going to... I've said many times that I would prefer if a Resident Evil game was more supernatural and less biological. Yeah, I mean, I I I mean, obviously... That's a hard move because certainly because in Japan, because it's called biohazard there, but like it's time to do something. I can't keep track of all the viruses anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know. Um, What virus made what creature? Is it T and G? And and, and then you you got factor in the bow gas and there's all, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things in play in the Resident Evil universe virus wise. But, and a lot uh, of it's not really interesting. Let's be honest. Like, no, and I mean, I mean, the the stuff in four was interesting. In the yep. the idea that the that the viruses were sort of um, bioengineered off of these actually naturally occurring monsters, and you know that you kind of went back to the origin of things. So it wasn't so much as like, oh, science. You know, it wasn't so much the Jurassic Park by way of zombie movie thing of like. They, should, you know, they were so worried about if they could, they didn't know if they should should or something. Now it's just sort of like, no, these horrible fucking things exist in Spain, and yeah. this is just what life is here. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I dig that as sort of like a, it's a more of a Lovecraftian thing almost, where it's like you know, thing weird things bubbling under the surface. Like that's a cool idea to me. Yep. Um, and if they want to go harder on this into the sort of the idea that like vampires and werewolves exist in the Resident Evil universe, I don't feel like that's a giant leap. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, if you're talking about a virus that can turn people into mutated zombies, is there any such thing as a yeah, leak? Yeah, as long as you're point, there. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, there's probably something related there because, I mean, Vampire Lady you know, shoots some very tyrant-esque blades out of her hand. Yep. So uh, That's actually how the demo finishes. You meet her and mm-hmm. she grabs you and then her nails come out and then it cuts. Yeah. yeah. And uh, very very Lady Deathstrike. Yep. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, if, if I'd known there was a demo, I would have played it because I am interested. I'm, I'm more interested now. Like what, what they've shown here, g- grab my imagination a little, certainly more than Seven ever did. Um, and, and it is Capcom first person, knows it too. which I think may ruffle some feathers from some fans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Capcom knows it too because like they're doubling down on the vampire lady stuff uh, already. I've even, that. even day one, they were already <laughs> they already had that stuff locked and loaded and ready to go. It's so smart. I mean, that's what you should be doing. People latch on yeah. to something like that, milk it for all it's worth. You know, you got to ride that wave of hype because they have you know another five, four or five months before the game comes out. They got to keep that cycle going, and she is not going to carry the load all the way so if they can get through like the early promo cycle just off of her hype before they really start showing the game because the game will take over at that point um and if they can do that then their marketing schedule should be looking pretty good to keep interest rolling right until it launches in may uh and then there was one other announcement which was what i was hinting at earlier that was a surprise but maybe one that people weren't all that excited about and that is that there is a asymmetrical multiplayer version of resident evil coming called reverse um and the idea the concept is fine i have no problem with that even though there's already kind of a game like it uh to be perfectly honest but this one matt have you seen this did you get to check that out yeah uh and actually this is how i was alerted that there was a resident evil thing happening uh uh, because five separate people texted me and said what the fuck is this horrible (laughs) looking thing that they just showed like like what have they done to my to my characters kind of thing it looks like Um, a freaking mobile game yeah literally looks like a mobile game and look i'm also i mean look i don't why you keep trying to make resident evil multiplayer like just 
you try to make just fetch happen over and over again it, with this. Mercenaries and, is all we need. Just keep making yeah, mercenaries, mercenaries better. Just mercenaries is fine. Stop trying to reinvent mercenaries, basically. But like this looked, wow. Man, like I, it doesn't even. Here's the thing. So they're releasing it with Village. It looks mm-hmm. nothing like Village. It's freaking cell shaded, and the characters have like. I'll, and I can't, we can't show you because Capcom will give us a copyright strike. But may, this, right. maybe this is why Capcom gives a copyright. This is one game that Capcom should hide. Um, it, look, I'm trying to describe it to you like I'm describing a painting. But the characters have like these outlines around them, and everything in the world has an outline around it. And the visuals are cell shaded and they look goofy. Um, and it is the classic like Resident Evil characters, but they look mm. so different in this setting that it's just there's a big disconnect for me there. I just it looks like hot garbage yeah you know, you know what it looks like to me it looks kind of like ill bleed on the yeah. on the dreamcast yeah. <laughs> like fidelity wise and art style wise it's what not it's Capcom not a compliment thinking matt like how could know. they look at that and be like yeah this makes sense it, to release with it looks Billy. like something somebody whipped up in like like on their weekend or yeah, something it's, it does it's it looks weird. like a proof of concept that they would bring into the office and be like you think this is cool <laughs> like if you have yeah, not I, no big deal it only took me a day to make it like I mean, it's not going to dissuade me from from no, me. No. Like it's just obviously just sort of like some extra thing. Yeah. But like, we, it's so weird. They keep trying to they keep trying to make that a thing, but they've had the proper template for that idea since Resident Evil Four. Yeah. Um. You know, since they did the mercenaries mode, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, I, I know why. why. They they need a, a service. <laughs> like. Oh sure, but I'm sure like, you why saw not today build the it WB on the games. why not build it on the mercenaries idea? Is what I'm saying. Oh, like oh, you've yeah. got a much better multiplayer idea that's that's 15 years old and you've never really capitalized on fully in an online setting. Like yep. why not ma- why not make a really robust mercenaries? They, I mean, they should have just kept pushing that because some people got really into mercenaries oh, in yeah. RE4. Like it became a thing for a lot of people. And they just kind of abandoned it after a while. So um, it's not happening for Village, I can tell you that much. Uh, how do you feel about the first-person perspective, Matt? Are you okay with it? Um, I guess. I mean, I don't really care about perspective one way or the other when I'm not creating the character. Like, if I'm creating a character or, like, changing their equipment, I'd like to see them in third person. But if it's a set character, I don't really mind one way or the other. Um, and if I want to play third-person Resident Evil, I can just play Resident Evil 2, the, re- the remake. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's uh, it's okay. And like maybe you know if you're gonna do something kind of nemesisy and have me be chased by vampire lady or some like big, you know, maybe makes more sense to do first person because that's sort of like the bread and butter of like kind of the indie horror games that that have been around for like the last seven or eight years, like the Outlasts and mm-hmm. Amnesia stuff. Like so, if that's kind of the that's kind of the 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 trend now and it's, has been. More, so I mean, like for, for most people, I think it is more immersive. I think people mm. push back when they're used to a franchise being played in third person and it switches to first person. But me personally, I really don't have any issue with it at all. And any game, to me, where I'm going to have to shoot a lot should be in first person. It's the best way to play a shooter. Um, I get it. There's a disconnect when you can't see your character on screen at all times. And maybe you don't bond with the character as much as you would have if they were on screen at all times, but for immersion and for gameplay purposes, to me, first person is the way to go. I had no problem with it with resident evil seven. 
And the lead character is so nondescript anyway. It's like, does it even matter? Like, it's just like, it might yeah, as well really be. I don't really want to look at this guy. I mean, he might as well be Nathan Drake. You know, he's just generic yeah. white dude is pretty much what it is. The character the character for RE7 and this game is not like this unique, like, cool character that people are going to, like, cosplay as and stuff like that. It's just not one of those things. So I think they made the right decision, particularly if this game is going to be real, real shooting heavy. Um, and I'm not averse to third-person shooters either. Obviously, I love Resident Evil 4 still. Um, and it did kind of change how third-person shooting would be handled in action games going forward. And it did a great job of it. But for me personally, if, it, if a game is going to require that I shoot a lot, I would almost always prefer to play yeah. it from a first-person perspective. Which I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of sad we're not going to be able to play Resident Evil 4 again for a while. Yeah, that was another thing that broke this week is the remake of Resident Evil 4 um, has been delayed. Uh, and it's weird because I don't even know that it was ever really officially announced, to be honest Yeah, I don't remember you. there being an actual, like, <laughs> expectation of when it was coming to me. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It's nice of him to mention it. Well, I think what I happened guess. is the person who leaked that it was coming is also the person who leaked that, oh, well, now it's delayed. So I don't know mm-hmm. if this person is trying to cover their butt because maybe they found out the story wasn't <laughs> legit. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, there's a apparently a remake of RE4 coming. Uh, there was a, The story goes that there was an argument internally over how much the game should be updated and changed. Some people mm-hmm. were like, you know what? It needs to stay true to what it was. And then another group inside Capcom was saying, it, you know, it's a great game, but there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed for it to be released in 2021. So yeah. my guess is it probably ends up somewhere like where the RE2 remake was, where it was still very truthful and honest to the base game, uh, but still kind of brought it up into modern day so it didn't feel like you're playing a 20-some-year-old game. So, yeah, and obviously it doesn't need that as badly as you know Resident Evil 2 and 3, but yep. like it's... You know, last time I went back to four, it was it was a little clunky yeah, in places. Sure. So. Well, I mean, it's weird. It's like you can't like move and shoot. Well, you know, the, the the original game you couldn't. You were basically a tripod when you mm-hmm. were shooting. So uh, there are some things that they do. They have to update for this version for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see how far they go. But as one of my favorite games of all time, I don't want to play it and feel like I'm playing something else. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are going to be playing it for the first time with this remake of it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's still my favorite Resident Evil. So uh, I think most people I'm would looking forward to it. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. It's also like there's some there's some remake drama this week. Uh, it's not like not big enough to be a subject, but this similar thing happened with uh, Blizzard, uh, where the they took the Diablo 2 remaster away from the team, the internal team that screwed up the Warcraft 3 uh, remake and gave the Diablo 2 remaster to Vicarious Visions, yeah. um, which is good news because to me, Diablo 2 is a more important remake, uh, remaster than uh, Warcraft 3. Warcraft 3's main significance in gaming is that we got Dota from it. Yeah. Um, the, the game itself is not particularly compelling to me. Um, but Diablo 2 is one of my favorites, so I was glad to hear that they handed that over to a, uh, a studio that will make do it justice. Vicarious Visions, that studio has <laughs> done everything. Like, yeah. He used to make like all the handheld Tony Hawk games, I believe, back in the day. Like Neversoft would handle the console versions, and they would handle like the handheld interpretation of it. 
Uh, they have really run the gamut as far as genres that they have worked on in the past. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that game. But they are very capable and across the years have proven to be pretty good. So I have a yeah, good and they're, they're very good at, not, at knowing when to leave things alone, too. Yep, yep that's true. Yep. Uh, so anyway, that's the latest on all things Resident Evil, not just Village, but then the RE-verse and then RE4, the remake being delayed. Lots of stuff happening with Resident Evil, but what's most important that you need to remember is Village comes out on May 7th, cross-gen for pretty much everything. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Konami. And Matt, based upon what happened this week, I have a feeling we may not be talking about Konami a whole lot longer here on Game Face, um, the original. I'm surprised we're still talking about it for this. It just seems like it just seems like it's slowly collapsing like a flan in a cupboard at this point. Well, the original story that was making the rounds on social media and the internet was that Konami had stopped creating games. Period. That it was mm. no longer going to make video games, and it had closed all its studios. And then Konami was oh, what like, a, "What a difference!" Yeah, well, <laughs> like Konami was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow your roll. That's not what's happening. Instead, we're consolidating." our three remaining game development studios into one studio. Um, does that make you feel any better, Matt? <laughs> I mean, does it matter? Like, what are they doing? Like, they haven't made anything except that terrible multi- multiplayer Metal Gear thing. Yeah, Metal Gear Survive. Isn't that yeah. what it was called? I think it sure, was. Sure, let's go yeah. with that. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it. I mean, so... Very poorly named. <laughs> so Konami, Konami has been going down this path for a while now. And we've known yeah. it. We've talked about it many times here on Game Face. But I think we're starting to near the end game here. And I guess the big question becomes is what is the end game? I mean, obviously, they're going to slow down development of games, probably eventually stop. Like that one last studio will eventually be closed. I don't know how long it's going to be, mm-hmm. but it's eventually going to happen. But what happens when Konami gets to that point where it no longer, and it's kind of there already, but it no longer even wants to attempt to work on its own IP? What will happen to that IP then? I mean, there's probably basically three options there. One, you you just let it sit and languish and never do anything with it again. Two, you kind of do a Lucasfilm Games thing and sort of parcel them out as projects to other developers and sort of serve as a as a licensing, like kind of a clearinghouse for uh-huh. the IP you own. Or three, um, you just sort of sit on it and uh, use it to license out as like other media, like Pacheco like the Castlevania Netflix, like the stuff. Castlevania Netflix show or a Metal Gear movie or things like that. Like you don't make games out of them anymore, but you try to break into other forms of media with it. Uh, those are my, those are the three options I can see. Wouldn't four um, be sell your IP? I mean, yeah, I guess so. But if they were going to do that, why didn't they do that already? Because be I think up until this point, they've had delusions that they were going to keep making games. Because they've pushed back on this a bunch of times, Matt, where mm-hmm. people report Konami's done, they're not making games anymore. And the next day they put out a press release. We're like, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? We got all this stuff we're working on. Just sit tight, wait. And then we uh-huh. do see it eventually. And it's like this weird like mobile version of Frogger. Or <laughs> it's like that Bomberman game that launched with the Switch. Super right. Mo- Bomberman R or whatever it is. Um, they're, and the, or Metal Gear Survive, for example. I mean, there's a perfect example of it. You know, they actually tried to make a new Metal Gear game. And it ended up being a complete disaster. And that was using... People who worked with Kojima, you know, that mm-hmm. stayed behind, that didn't go with him to his new studio, 
Uh, they kept those people around, kept them employed, and they worked on this, and it was a disaster. Um, so Konami has probably, I'm guessing, accepted at this point that, yeah, us making big-budget AAA games is not something that we're probably going to do anymore. I think they've it's accepted that at this point. After, I mean, because Survive did poorly in both directions. It did poorly with critics, and it did poorly with fans, and it did poorly at retail. It didn't sell. Um, and I'm guessing, I mean, they didn't put as much into this, nowhere near as much into this as they did for Kojima's Metal Gear games, which mm-hmm. was why Kojima left, and they got tired of him taking six years to make a game. Um, and so they got what they wanted. They got a Metal Gear game that only took a year or two to make, but they also saw what you get when you do that, which is not much. <laughs> not much uh, positive feedback from fans, not much money in, in the bank from sales, um, and not a whole lot of... Uh, positive vibrations from critics either so to me i, I hear you like I, I, maybe the lucas film games thing is what's most likely they almost turn into like this trust of the ip yeah i mean that's that would make some sense that because look if you don't want to make triple a games anymore you're discounting basically your entire ip library outside of the stuff that has been translated successfully to Moloch. What's a non-AAA Silent Hill game or a Metal Gear game or Castlevania? Like, what, you just do, like, gra- like Gradius on phones forever? Like, or they go back old school with, like, a top-down 2D Metal Gear or something like that yeah, for mobile. I mean, but that, or, even that seems like more effort than they're willing to put in because that making that good in a modern day would require a very tight game design. Well, I'll say this. And Konami has know. done pretty well with its mobile games. I think it's figured out kind of the gotcha mechanics. I mean, <laughs> I mean they're definitely making money. Like, they're successful. It's not yeah. like they're going to die as no, a company. No, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, they don't make anything I give a shit about anymore. Um, and I know they have stuff I do give a shit about, and I would like to play another Castlevania game one day. Uh, that's really the only, like, where the ire I have for them comes from, is, like, you're sitting on all this stuff, and... You kind of like the Silent Hill stuff that seems to have fizzled out was like, if you're not going to do anything with the IP and if Sony's interested in doing something with the IP, let them do it. Like do, you know, that's free money for you. Like, why not? Like it's, it's, you know, Castlevania, like it's, it's a shame in the realm of, in the world we live in now where from software's souls stuff is a viable, like market marketable concept that they haven't stepped up and made a fucking Castlevania game like that. I know. Like that is what Castle Bloodborne is what Castlevania should be yeah. now. Like yeah. that's what that should be. And if you found anyone to meet, you know, of all these, they start talking about partners that you would yeah. want to work on your IP from software working on Castlevania would be gigantic. And it makes sense because Castlevania was also hard as balls. Like yeah. it's perfect. And I, I would guess that. You know, some of the people who worked on the Soul series at From Software were probably huge Castlevania fans growing up. Like, I don't think yeah, it's on no accident. Yeah, no way those games were not influenced by yeah, that. I don't think it's like, an accident that Dark Souls and Demon Souls are basically 3D equivalents of Castlevania. And that's just a perfect match. So there we have a good match for Castlevania. Um, Sony, I think, would be more than willing to pay a big fee to get the Metal Gear license and maybe give it to one of its internal studios to work on. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked last week about Sony San Diego, how it's picking up Uncharted or Killzone, and they're kind of looking for places to farm out this IP. Um, I'm sure Sony, if it could get Metal Gear, uh, would be willing to dedicate one of its studios to creating an exclusive Metal Gear game for PlayStation 5. And it may be Kojima. Imagine that, Matt. Like, imagine if 
Konami does get to the place where they're like, okay, we're ready to license Metal Gear. They go and talk to Sony. Sony's like, all right, we're willing to pay it. Here's your check. And then they hand it to Kojima. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm skeptical that Kojima would would want to touch that again. That was my next question. But... Do you think that he would even want to do it? I don't think so. I think he I think he did what he was going to do there. Um, and where do you go? Like, you know, as Kojima, where do you go from there? Like after the debacle of Metal Gear Solid five from his perspective, not not that not that that turned out to be a bad game, but like clearly it wasn't what he had in his head. Well, um, the insane thing about Metal Gear Solid five is how long and big the game is. And yet. After it was released, he's like, oh, we had to cut, like, so much out of it. It's yeah. like, bro, well, you no had, like, 50 hours to figure it out. Well, yeah, but there's almost no narrative in it. And yeah. the, the the bulk of the game is just repetitive gameplay over and it over is. again. And the gameplay is good, but it's a giant empty world with nothing to do except at the, the destinations mission. you're headed to yep. for the missions. And then, you know, I mean, for God's sake, the, the game has a – one of the upgrades in the game is shortening the fake load times in the helicopter. Like, there's – there's some choices, and yeah. uh, I, judging by how much of the story, quote unquote, is told through audio tapes, I can definitely believe that a lot of stuff ended up on the cutting room floor in terms of what was supposed to be cut scenes and cinematics. Um, I mean, for God's sake, why would you hire Kiefer Sutherland just to do what's in that game? It doesn't make any sense. The money they had to pay him, it does make. And I mean, look, I, I don't begrudge Konami. I'll be. Pr- I know a lot of people. Oh, no, hate- no, I, don't, I know like, a lot of people hate Konami after what happened with Kojima. They made a smart business decision. Like no, I, he I was think everyone, ruining everyone them. Was a, no, I think everyone was the asshole on on that one. Like uh, Konami, you know, knew what they had, but but they they got too impatient. But I see why they got impatient because Kojima was pretty much taking advantage of him in places yep. and just not managing his time properly. And the funny thing is, like we see from Death Stranding, he can get it done. He can, do yeah, it. He, he can do, do it. it. Like, he can, <laughs> He made you know a game Konami that was entirely finished so and relatively polished in a normal amount of development time. You know, Konami not, watched that and was just like, are you effing kidding me? You got that <laughs> game done in two years and we had to wait seven years for a Metal Gear game? Like, well, I do I do feel that like he was in a position at Konami where no one could tell him no. Yeah, he, I, mean, I think he was milking it, man, for all it's worth. Yeah, like, a little bit, yeah. I, dude, where Sony is just like, I mean, you're cool, but... We don't care who you are, really. You know, it's like, yeah, get the thing done or get out. Yep, and, and he got he it done. And he did it. Funny he how that works. <laughs> yeah, and you know, now he's going to work on another game for Sony. So yeah, I just feel like knowing, you know, knowing what we know about him as a as a person, I feel like he's probably had to go through a, you know, a, probably some kind of mourning period or separation period with Metal Gear, having sort of, you know, he's also said. Going back to Metal Gear Solid Two, he was like, "No, it's the last one." You know, yep. He just keep making yeah, the last he had been one. Saying it for forever. He yeah. made the last Metal Gear like five times, and he. Uh, I just, I have a hard time believing he'd want to go back to that well again. Yeah, I know you can't see it, Matt, but right now we're watching a trailer for Metal Gear Solid Five, and it's like I played a different game from what this trailer yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it literally, I'm like, I don't even remember some of this stuff being in the actual game. Like, it's pretty bizarre to watch that stuff now um, and realize what it kind of promised and what it ultimately ended up delivering. Matt, maybe the better question is, can you think of any IP other than Metal Gear and Castlevania that would be worth it for a publisher to license? 
Sure. Um, I mean, depends on like your budget or what you're aiming for, but I think Silent Hill is yeah. is, oh, yeah. Hill. Yeah. is obviously uh, valuable. Yep. Uh, I think in kind of a more smaller scale indie realm, you could definitely make a really good Gradius game today. Um, there's no reason all these Contra games need to be as shitty as they are. Uh, there's something you could do there. Uh, even if you just make it like kind of a Gears of War clone, like just, you know, change, change it up, reinvent that property in a gears in a god of war way i think would be how you approach that Bomberman is still fun still i mean yeah, that's that a simple is a, concept but it's still engaging it's yeah. a super obvious switch game like just a modern Bomberman with online play for us for the switch seems like a no-brainer to well, me i mean they, they got super Bomberman R at the launch of switch so oh, there yeah, is a but like, just game. keep going yeah. like yeah, also put Bomberman and smash brothers um Oh, for God's sake. Um, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, that Come does on. make a lot of sense, actually. But maybe it's Konami, dude. Like, they don't yeah, want to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> sh- sure. Like, that makes, I, you know, I don't know what the what the politics are there, but, like, it feels like Konami should be, you know, you could put a bunch of people in, in Smash Brothers at this point from Konami. And, you know, I mean, they got the Castlevania guys in there, obviously. So it's, you know, it's not like they aren't doing anything. Yeah. But uh, Bomberman feels like a real obvious ad to me. Yeah, I mean, Bomberman in 2021 feels like a mobile game to me yeah it's perfect i mean it would it would work i mean i don't know like and now now i'm kind of out of konami franchises that's it though yeah i mean that's pretty much all they got and honestly matt i think only three of those would really be desirable maybe contra contra's kind of right on the edge but it's you know, it's been so long. Most people who play games don't even know what Contra is at this point. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and of course, personally, to me, I would uh, kill a man to get a Soikoden collection. And, you know, that's um, definitely not happening. <laughs> probably not. Um, although, you know, the people you're right, that though, made... that's another franchise that you could revive and it would have some yeah. interest. If only because... So and with its kind of like base building and collecting characters, yeah. like that would absolutely translate today. Yeah. Um, and matter of fact, you know, the, the team that made Soika, some of the Soika Dens did a Kickstarter for a new game that I actually did back and they're going to make, you know, it comes out in like a year and a half, but like they're going to do that and it's still going to, you know, be a thing. Like, like great. Um, also... Um, uh, where is this? Where was that? Um, uh, just speaking as a ridiculous, you know, they also have Adventure Island, which uh, in this world where platformers are somewhat viable again, you could take a look at that. Um, and uh, they got Bloody Roar. Where's my Bloody Roar game, people? Where's where's my, my where's my hot people turning into were rabbits and werewolves and shit? Like I would not hold my breath on that one, at, my friend. At least talk to Namco, put some of those characters in Soul Calibur or something. Yeah. Like you, you leverage your stuff. This feels um, like the next to last nail in Konami's coffin. Yeah. For our I purposes. Lethal, I have a Lethal Enforcers collection for VR. <laughs> I don't know. Just just think outside the box for a minute. Yeah. Frogger. They got Frogger. Frogger's got to be worth something. Well, they did. They put out a Frogger for mobile not long Yeah, yeah. For, but, like, you know, you could do, you know, there was, the, for a while, you know, in the PS1 era, they were making the, like, weird 3D Frogger, you know, like, back when everyone was like, oh, let's do a 3D platformer out of Pac-Man. That's what people want. <laughs> they um, made a couple of those, I think. Yeah, it's, a couple of those did okay. Yeah. Pac-Mania was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they got, you know, I guess they got, if you wanted to do Pro Evolution Soccer again or something, but it feels like a lost uh, lost cause. Oh, it sells pretty and, well in Europe and, and Japan. Uh, and Zone of the Enders. Like, Zoe. Not a, uh, not a AAA franchise in terms of sales, but I feel like you don't need to know about Zone of the Enders to if like they could come up with a really awesome looking... You know, they did the VR for, you know, kind of the remaster they, for a while ago of Zone of the Enders 2. 
Um, there's stuff. There's stuff in there. They've got I a lot of viable stuff. I just think it's tough stuff. to rationalize paying for that IP because you're going to pay, and you're probably mm. going to have to give royalties for every copy that you sell. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of studios at this point, instead of using kind of an old Konami IP, they're like, let's just create our own IP. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes down to stuff like that, yeah, it makes when more sense. The fringes there. Yeah. No one's going to want to resurrect Boktai. Dio! I mean, nobody uh, cared about that game when it came out. I'm wondering if that game's no. worth money now, actually. Um, I mean, just about any Game Boy thing, Steel Sealed, is worth money. Well, I'm glad you brought um, that up, actually, Matt. So this week, I was talking to someone from the industry on Facebook, and they had just found their Red Cheeks Pikachu card from E3 1999. Mm, That uh, is worth something. And so they posted it on Facebook, and they're like, oh my gosh, I just found this. I thought I had lost it. And I just went and checked the price, and he was like, oh my God, (laughs) $2,500. I was like, (laughs) okay. Um, I'm like, okay, I have that. I have the Red Cheeks variant, just like you. You're never going to sell it for $2,500. Most of them sell for like two dollars to $300 right now. Um, and then, still pretty good for a free card. It is absolutely, but he <laughs> thought it was like twenty five hundred bucks. I'm like, I don't know where you really got that gem from. mint like graded ones can go for that much, but not like something loosey. But did you see like the the sealed box of Series One Pokemon card game yeah. train cards went yeah. for four hundred grand? Yeah, I saw that. Almost purely because it could have a Charizard in it, and yep. Charizards are worth three hundred fifty thousand. But then they'd have to open it to find out if the Charizards right. inside. It but that's so what you're bizarre. risking. Well, then like, what ended I, up happening? I like, clearly should have kept a couple of boxes of that. I got into Yu Gi Oh instead that was my mistake in <laughs> the late 90s that was a big mistake uh, so anyway i told him i'm like you you know you could probably sell it for 300 bucks but just hold on to it like you're not ready to retire like wait till you're ready to retire and sell it then it'll be worth more and then ryan stevens jumped in and you guys probably all know who ryan stevens is he was my right hand man at game game trailers the entire time i was there um and he worked at g4 with matt and i as well um he jumped into the conversation he's like oh i guess you don't have that twilight princess ds cart and, hmm. and I wrote back, I was like, why? And he's like, check the price on that one. And I did. And it was like, it was like $3,000. And, yep. and then the bell went off in my head. I was like, I have that. I <laughs> have that cart. And I had no idea. No idea mm-hmm. it was worth that much money. So I immediately like ran from the computer and I was like, I had just kind of like reorganized all my stuff. And that's when I remembered seeing it. But I didn't remember where I put it. And I also realized that I had not been babying it all this time. It had just been, like, thrown around and, like, stored in, like, Ziploc bags and crap. And so I went and I found it and I pulled it out. Luckily, it still looks mint, pristine, brand new. But I have the freaking thing. I I had, had no idea it was worth that much money. Holy crap. Yeah. It's just a some DS card that are... has a trailer on it. That's all it is. Yeah, some of those, I mean, Nintendo collectors are hardcore like that's all there is to it and the one that was selling Um, on ebay for three grand was loose it didn't have the plastic sleeve that the ds cart went in it didn't have mm -hmm. the gatefold like cardboard thing that it comes in i have all that so i don't know how much mine is worth but i would that was a pleasant surprise to say the least you should should definitely look into it i I mean the little things i a long time ago i found a uh that was from e3 2005 they only gave it to the press yeah. Long time ago, I found a. Um, it was uh, from Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes. It was a. Uh, a I don't remember if you went to it. Is it just an event up in San Francisco when we we're still? I up did there. not go. I remember specifically. And, I did not go to that event. Yeah, yeah. and I went and like they, and they gave out this like it was like a dossier thing and like you know anti-static paper you know anti-static envelope kind of thing mm-hmm. and it had it has like you know a little gatefold thing you open up and it's got like bios of all the characters and it has a, a magnet sheet 
of all the characters and like like the exclamation points and stuff like that. And I found that in a closet a few years ago and I posted it online. It's like, hey, look what I found. It's just like a thing I found. It was just cool. And people might like it. And one guy's like, I'll give you $1,500 for that right now. <laughs> what? Like, mm-hmm. like, no, I like it. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I like, I, I wasn't trying to sell it. But like, like that thing is so rare that it was like for, for a while it was suspected. That, like the, Its existence was suspect. Like, cause like they had the people no didn't believe it, it really existed. Yeah, until like some copies of it surfaced, like in uh, like a like like late two thousands or something. Wow! Um, like because they only gave it out apparently at that San Francisco event, like one event in Japan. Huh. Um. So it's a little thing. You can get like a decent. You remember? Um. You remember that booklet they gave out at TGS of the of Metal Gear Solid Four? Yes. And it was just like that that brown booklet of it. Yep. You can get like a couple hundred bu- bucks for that. What? They were hand. They were handing those. They were basically throwing those at us. Like we. Yeah. I came, I came home you with like scrape seven them up of those. off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Like they, like they would give one to you every time you walk past them. I'm just like, nah, yeah, it's fine. Another like, I have a bunch of stuff like I stumbled on lately. I also came across um, this like vinyl record for Snake Eater, and I haven't. Oh, priced, yeah, I have that. I haven't priced yeah. that yet, but I'm guessing that's probably worth a bunch of cash. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, so I is it? I have a vinyl record thing, but it's a CD. Yeah, like it's it's a vinyl it's, it record. It looks like a 45. You open it up and it's a CD of the yep. Snake Eater song. Yeah, yep. I have that. The other thing I'd love to get a price on at some point is um, the Metal Gear Revengeance press kit that is uh, a USB drive stuck in uh, right and severed arm. Oh, that's right. I yeah, forgot that, about that too. <laughs> 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 oh, it's it's so literally weird. Raiden's like it's Raiden's like like um like severed so cyborg bizarre. arm, and out of the stump, there's a USB cord, and you plug it in, and that's where your press kit comes from. <laughs> It's very strange. Back in the day, man, they just ran out of ideas. They're like, how do yeah, we promote anything, crap now? <laughs> anything to get your attention as it came across your desk. You remember when, when Rockstar sent you ra- like a razor wire Garrett yeah. for, uh, yeah. for Manhunt? Yep. And, and you were like, do I need to report this to yeah. someone or something? Because <laughs> it's a murder weapon. <laughs> yeah. They Literally, you a all it's made for object. is to they kill did. people. Yeah. Yeah. And they sent out baseball bats for GTA 3. Um, yeah. I'm sure those are worth a lot of money now, too. I wouldn't want to ship one, but yeah. yeah I still have the, the GTA uh, the GTA 4 or 5 pool queue. Yep, I've got um, that, too. I actually put that in Closet Raiders uh, when we were doing Sifted HQ. I brought that out as one of the hmm. things that I showed off. Yeah, I got that, too, in a dartboard and dominoes, a bunch of Rockstar stuff. Yeah, they, they, used did, to a bu- they did a bunch have, of like weird parlor games for that They used game. to give out gray swag. They were the yeah, best. They gave out did. the best stuff. Um, oh, and then the, the dumbest thing I think I have is, uh, even, I think even dumber than the uh, Raiden Arm, it's like a super fragile, like shitty, like plastic briefcase and from Resident Evil 6 and inside is like like election campaign propaganda <laughs> for the president in, in that game. <laughs> Who lives only for like the first hour, right? Doesn't he yeah, die? It's, in like, it's like, <laughs> like, like I don't even remember his name. Like I don't, yeah, he you know, dies I mean, in the first mission. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a it's like it's a weird choice for like your swag for the game. But it it, I got that up in the closet yeah. just in case somebody ever needs that. Uh, but anyway, back to Konami. It it really is the beginning of the end, I believe. All that's really left is for the company to figure out what it's going to do with its most valuable IP. And I hope that he that they do do what Matt has mentioned and just become kind of this gatekeeper of the IP. And they allow really talented studios to work on their IP and accomplish things that, one, it never will accomplish going forward. And to be perfectly honest, really hasn't accomplished since the 2D era with a lot of that IP. So, I mean, we've never yeah, really I, had a truly great 3D Castlevania game. No, There's been I, a, I several like that have been like okay, but 
I just feel like they're going to probably sit back and license these things to like movies and, and TV shows. And that's about it. Like you'll see the Netflix Castlevania continue. You'll see the Metal Gear movie get made, but like maybe another Silent Hill movie attempt at some point. Cause that actually, you know, they, the second Silent Hill movie is not very good, but like, yeah. there's no reason you couldn't do Silent Hill films, yeah. even not based on the individual games. Like Silent Hill as a concept would work as a movie series. Yep, absolutely. Or a TV series. It could make yeah. it work for both. Yep. You, could, you could do a, a Silent Hill anthology series. So easy. You could do like a Black Mirror style Silent Hill thing where like every episode is just a new weird thing that happens to someone who ends up in that town. Like that would be the ideal use of that IP to me. In, in yeah, Even as a game, like I would love a game that a Silent Hill episodic game where each episode is a different tale from Silent Hill. Like I think, I think Silent Hill lends itself to like what happens when we take this character and put them in this town that digs your deepest psychological trauma and fears out. Like what does this person mean? Right. You just have sort of the baseline. What does the town do? It does this. Now you just plug in different characters in in different situations and you have different horror stuff to play with every single time. That's a good idea. I think I think pitch that's it. the way I go. <laughs> go to Netflix and pitch it. <laughs> yeah, it might happen. I, mean, I, I, I think it would also for content. I think it would also work as like a Telltale style series. Yeah, uh, as a game, that's I think true. it would work as an episodic game too. Yeah, I can see that. Um, my guess is by the end of 2021, I think we'll have clarity on this. I think by the end of this year, if Konami is indeed going to license out that IP, I think we'll see the first deal before. Yeah, the end of well, I'm year. hoping. Like, look, if by the end of 2021 we don't hear something, you know, positive, you know, for for sure about Sony's Silent Hill project, I think that's dead. Um, yeah. so that has been making the rounds for quite a while too, actually. And it also just blows my mind that you've got this, you know, going on three seasons of this successful Netflix Castlevania show and you are not making a fucking game to back it well, up. They made like that it, grimoire of souls or whatever the mobile game. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I can't play it with a controller, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> I'm right there with you. All right, let's move on. We have a lot to get to, and uh, we've burned a good bit of time talking about Konami, more than I thought, but that's yeah, how I Matt and I get. Talk we start talking about this old school, these old school Japanese publishers. I could just talk about them forever. I really could just go on and on, um, but we need to move on, unfortunately. Um, and next up, we spoke last week about how the Star Wars license has basically, I wouldn't say taken been taken away from EA, but it's lost its exclusivity over the Star Wars license. And now Ubisoft and other publishers are starting to create Star Wars games. And really we didn't hear anything about it after that until an- yet another leak or a rumor appeared this past week that suggested that Knights of the Old Republic 3 will not be created by BioWare, and nor will it be created by EA, uh, under the EA mm-hmm. umbrella. Um, Matt, first of all, how do you feel about, in general, and with BioWare, how do you feel about new studios taking over properties that another studio kind of created? Uh, I'm fine with it. Okay. Especially in this case. Okay. I don't want current BioWare to make a Knights of the Old Republic game. Why? If I'm completely honest, because I don't think they make good games anymore. We'll see what the Dragon Age 4 looks like, but they have uh, blown it at least three times in a row now for me, and uh, I would rather someone else get a shot. Uh, Nice Old Republic means too much to me to waste on modern Bioware uh, working under EA's like ridiculous auspices. Like, uh, take it, take it elsewhere. Makes complete sense to me if I'm if I'm seeing it from Lucasfilm Games' perspective. Bioware now is not the Bioware that made Nice Old Republic. 
Uh, and but also you would the, have the more faith that some random news studio would do a better. I don't, look, I get it. All the people who worked on this game, they aren't. A there are plenty anymore. of other studios I would trust well over Bioware out there to to make a good Night's Elder Public remake. Which yeah. ones? So what 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 would you target, Matt? Um, well, I think uh, th- there have been some hints that people dropped of uh, you know what uh, who might it be. Uh, basically, it's like oh, you'll never guess who's making it. And people are like, oh, is it no? And it's like, no, it's just like not someone you would maybe be a household name, basically. And I think, I do not have inside info on this, but I think In Exile is making it. I was just going to say that it makes too much sense. <laughs> In Exile is a bunch of ex-Bioware and Obsidian people. Yep. Uh, or Obsidian, they, honestly. Obsidian, maybe, but I don't know if you want to get straight in bed with a Microsoft exclusive. But Microsoft, you know, it was only on the Xbox before, right. console-wise. Yeah, so that Xbox would also exclusive. make sense. And it's the only way to play it on consoles now is to play it backwards compatible on the Xbox. So that's not impossible. Obsidian would be my second choice. How would you uh, well, feel, actually, though, Obsidian, if that Obsidian meant that f- Avowed, which is what? its new game, got put on the back burner? Would you prefer that they work on KOTOR 3? Um... I don't know. For those of you don't know, Avowed is basically their Elder Scrolls killer. Yeah, their Skyrim. Yeah, it's it's set in the Pillars of Eternity universe. Um, First off, I I think uh, I think Obsidian has the bandwidth to do both. Okay. Yeah, I mean Um, they have actually kind of proven that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obsidian, I think Obsidian would be a good pick. I mean, there they are. Some of the people that made the old Night Shield Republic two are still there. Like you know, it was they don't have some of the the Chris Avalon or anybody, but like. I think uh, they would do a good job. Um, in Exile, I think just makes a lot of sense as well. It's Brian Fargo. It's uh, it's you know they made with the Wasteland two and three. Um, they, they I think they've got some pedigree in there. Uh, the, Obsidian has more. If you want to make it more like the original Kotor, um, you know more of a three D game. And if you want to make it maybe more action oriented, I think Obsidian now has the chops to do that. Yeah, so see, that's that what scares me about In Exile. Option is that it hasn't really done real-time 3d combat uh, well, most of the con- it's like it's well it's most of his stuff is like rts style like army versus army um, stuff sort of i mean hunted the demons forge was a 3d That's action right. combat game yeah. um, it wasn't great though either it wasn't great but it was like a decent first effort uh you know bars bard's tale four was you know not this not a three-quarter perspective wasteland game i mean there, there, there's options there um, I think my I think my ideal choice would be Obsidian, but yeah. like I it makes for some reason sense. for some reason In Exile is is my guess for who's working on it. Because um, Obsidian, not way, if, you're, if you're gonna say like <laughs> if you're gonna if someone online who knows something about this is gonna say like you'll never guess who's making it, that's not Obsidian. Yeah, well, definitely not because so, that's the first guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Like if you're gonna, if there's one studio that makes the most yeah, sense. Yeah, if, if Bioware's not making it, I'm gonna guess Obsidian because they make Kotor too. Right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, in, in Exile would be my guess. Uh, yeah, I guess the other option would be Larian, but In Exile supposedly has two RPG projects that no one knows what they are yet, and one of those could probably be Kotor. Matt, do you want it to be real time combat or turn based combat? Which would um, you prefer? I mean, I don't know. Like, it depends what you're trying to make. If you're remaking Kotor, which the rumor is that it's basically a remake that mashes Kotor one and two together oh. in some way, um, I think you maybe stick to something similar. Either you stick to what it was before, like the real time with pause stuff, or you reinvent it as an actual action RPG combat system. Um, I think a lot for me would depend on who's making it. Yeah, I would not want to go back to like 
I wouldn't want it to be like Divinity Original Sin, yeah. like a turn-based, you know, three-quarters thing. Yeah. I, that wouldn't be my my ideal. But I would uh, say thing. if like a studio like In Exile is making it, I would actually feel better if it were turn-based. I mean, if it, if it's In Exile doing it, like it probably is that. It yeah. probably is Wasteland Star Wars. That's my guess. Um, ideally, I would want it to be sort of. Um, I mean, ideally, I want it to be sort of like KOTOR, but with like Assassin's Creed combat. Um, you know, keep the story and keep the the RPG elements, but make the combat a little more action based. Yeah. Um, something like that. You know, like in the same way that I wish Fallen Order had a little more RPG element to it. You know, like I like the action oriented combat for lightsaber fighting and stuff. Uh, I think the the real time with pause was a decent solution for 2003 but i think you need to have something a little more visceral and 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 feedback oriented for a modern game yeah i don't even feel like star wars works well as a turn-based game and i know that there's a mobile game that's hugely popular and continues to be hugely popular but it's there's not like a lot of spells and other things that kind of spice up turn-based combat in a lot of rpgs you have your blasters and you can use some force powers but for the most part, there aren't like crazy fire spells and wind spells and water spells that you're casting and they're drenching the whole battlefield in water and stuff like that. That's just not really Star Wars. So I think the aesthetic uh, probably fits better with action-based combat. But if it's a studio, like a smaller studio like Alarian or an Exile, I would rest easier knowing that the game was a turn-based game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you make a turn-based Star Wars game. Yeah. Um, maybe NXL's trying, maybe they team up with other companies. Maybe you're doing, you know, you're trying to create some kind of synergy between Respawn and NXL. Like, I don't know what your plan is if you're Lucasfilm Games. Um, all I can, all I can tell you is that if they're saying we wouldn't guess who's making it, it's not Obsidian. What if it's Respawn? Um, <laughs> maybe. I mean, look, the, the, the Shinobi, what's his name? You know, the, the guy, guy with from, the new... Uh... The guy from NeoGAF or yeah, whatever. whatever. The guy with the now. Newman avatar, you know? What's the new um, name for NeoGAF? Oh, Reset Era. Reset the, Era. Yeah. The, the Splinter thing, yeah. yeah. The guy with the Newman avatar, he's basically, he said it's just, it's not like you've never heard of them. They're just not a household name. And Respawn to me would be a household name yeah. in that context. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I had not read his quote on it at all, so I didn't know yeah. what he said. Um, good dude, so by the me, way, Shinobi. He's a really good yeah, guy. Yeah, so to me, like, I, In Exile fits that bill. Like, I've heard of them, but they're not a household name. Like, non-hardcore people are not going to know who the hell In Exile is. And they've got people in there that, that have the pedigree to do an RPG like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly Torment Tides of Numenara is a kind of a nice pedigree if you want someone to do a, a infinity engine style kotor game mm-hmm. um but i don't know uh and beyond that i don't really have any guesses i guess you know like i don't know who else you would be the in the wheelhouse um yeah maybe the people maybe the people made pathway like everything i, I mean keep the going back to sort of worldwide you know now that yeah. they cracked open this ip to pretty much any publisher or developer it could be any any studio it really could it's exciting mm-hmm. like this is exciting the other part of it too matt that i like is like it's competition so let's say you're lucasfilm games you're like okay we're gonna make a kotor 3 you pick five studios or whatever you're like okay we want to make KOTOR 3. What's your vision for KOTOR 3? Then you have five studios all competing with each other to come up with the best concept for KOTOR 3. 
it's only going to make Star yeah. Wars video Although, games again, better. Although, again, like, all the stuff I've heard is that it's not KOTOR 3. It's okay. it's a remake of remake reimagining of Kotor. Still, it, my point still stands. Like you're mm-hmm. you're oh, you're getting pitches from studios, and you're gonna be able to pick the best one instead mm-hmm. of just taking whatever your studio comes up with. So, yeah. or in this case, because part of the point of this would be to recanonize Revan and all these elements of the old Republic stuff. Yep. Uh, it's possible that Lucas Lucasfilm themselves had their idea and went around to various places and said, "This is what we want to make. What? How do you feel about it? And what would you do with it?" And maybe they picked whoever had the best feedback. That's another way they could have gone about yep. it because they've been pushing, they've been hinting that they're going to recanonize the Kotor stuff for years. Um, I mean, for God's sake, I have all these Kotor action figures on my desk here yeah. that they've made in the last two years. Where it's like, why are you making these if because you don't ever intend to go back to the revive it? The well, right? Mm-hmm. They put out a Darth Revan lightsaber last year. Like it's you know, it's a full like rep, like full metal replica that yep. I have in the other room. Like it's, uh, I, I almost moved that in here for the, for the discussion in here, but I forgot. Um, instead, I just have Godzilla. <laughs> Who also had suffice. a big week. It has. It's been a crazy week. Yeah, the whole Godzilla versus Kong thing. That, and I don't think that movie looks very good. But everyone no, else I mean, seems to be last, excited for it. The last one was god awful. I have no faith in this one. Yeah, I don't like, either. Whatever. I just think people are so desperate for like hot pop culture stuff right now. Oh sure. And I, and look, to be fair, that 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 hook punch that Kong gets off on Godzilla is a damn fine shot. Like <laughs> it, that's a. It definitely is, but the whole thing just seems really corny and. Well, yeah, it's Godzilla. And the last um, one was not great. Like, I, yeah, the last one I did not like at all. Um, it was okay. I didn't like Skull like, I, I was able to watch the whole thing. and I was I was so bored. Like, But I think that's I my point, is t- that people are starting to get really bored. Yeah, and well, they're maybe just ready to suck trailers. up anything. Like, people, some people that said they liked Wonder Woman. I'm like, man, you are so starved for entertainment at this point. Yeah, I guess. Like, it's crazy. Uh, Wonder Woman was not good, and it I really awful. wanted it to be good. It's one of the worst movies I've watched in I don't even know how long. I, I could just sit there and just pick apart every scene, just how many stupid movie-breaking things happen in every scene in that movie. But anyway, I digress. So, um, again, I think this is a new era for Star Wars games, and I'll be honest, I think it may be we may be on the cusp of a renaissance of Star Wars games. Um, it's been a really long time since we've had consistently good Star Wars output in our favorite entertainment medium, and I think we're right about there. I think we're going to start seeing it break here mm-hmm. over the next year or two. So it's exciting, and all this other cool and uh, just Star Wars on its own, all the cool stuff that's happening right now with Star Wars. Period. Like the Mandalorian second season, it, it's just amazing. Like it literally blew my mind. So it's all good, man. And you weren't all that <laughs> impressed by the first season. I wasn't. So. I was not impressed with the first season at all. I was like, "What are people talking about? Oh my god, this is not as good as people said." And then well, the you got to remember that uh, that Mandalorian season one was coming out alongside Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um. So there was a there was an element of like the juxtaposition between the yeah. two. Yeah, the, like the idea of like the Mandalorian sort of showing you what what the kind of Star Wars that we want and and you know, thought of as like that this is quintessential Star Wars even if it's not completely reinventing the wheel. Um, and then you go see Rise of Skywalker and it's like what is this garbage? And I was glad that Mandalorian season one was around at the same time because it reminded me that it, that it wasn't Star Wars. It was just this one movie. Yeah, you know, yep. it was you know these and and again. One of the things I think the and look, I love The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie, period. But the sequel trilogy forgot the Western. 
Yeah, it did. The sequel trilogy forgot that while Star Wars is a samurai epic and it's a space opera, it's also a Western. It is. Yeah, that is what and the Mandalorian is. The Mandalorian is nails that. It does, and it's, yeah. it's and it's one of the things that makes Star Wars feel mythic because that's yeah. what those old Westerns were. Yeah. They were they were they were myths. And uh and that's what Mandalorian gets right. Yep. If so, you're a Star Wars fan, it's blue skies ahead, people. And yeah, I am, and now and I mean, especially because they handed all the Disney Plus content over yeah. to Filoni and for Favreau, like kind of spearheading everything. Like kind of there, the, the, finally they finally Star Wars has its Kevin Feige. Yeah, you know, to the, the, who to steer, like the way he steers Marvel, those guys are going to steer Star Wars at least in the Disney you would Plus. Think realm. Lucas would be the guy to do that, but no. <laughs> I mean, you saw the prequels. Lucas I did. Is not the yes, guy I did. That. He can't do it anymore. He, can't, he simply can't. But Filoni is really good at taking the prequels and recontextualizing them into something great. Yep. He did that with Clone Wars. He did some of it with Rebels. And if you watch the Mandalorian making of stuff where they have the little round table yeah. for season one, yeah. um, in the second episode, he sits there for like 10 minutes, expounds on the themes and stories of how the prequels and Anakin's journey matches up with the Darth Vader we saw in the original trilogy and how it ties in with Luke and how all that works. And you and at the end of it, you, and everybody just sits there and lets, lets him talk because everyone's like listening to him. Yeah. And at the end of it, you're like, yeah, that all does, you know, it all does work thematically. <laughs> like the prequels are not a bad idea conceptually and thematically. The execution. It's, it's there. It's yeah. all execution. <laughs> so, yes, anyway, it's a great time. That's Star all Wars in the past. Great. That's in the rear and view mirror. Good stuff up ahead. Star Wars is looking great. And, and the Lucasfilm Games announcement clearly says that they're, they you know, pointing, they're pointing the game in the right direction as well. We should be seeing some Fallen Order 2 stuff any day, I would think. Yeah. Um, about do it's uh it's, look, it's looking good yep absolutely all right let's move on we're going to talk about in my opinion the craziest story from the week um we had got hints that this was coming for a while and then this week it finally happened basically xbox eliminated the 12-month subscription for xbox live and only offered six-month subscriptions for the same price as the old 12-month subscription. Basically, making it such an awful deal that it would force you to say, you know what, I'm just going to spend an extra couple bucks and get Game Pass that includes Xbox Live. Because it actually ended up, it would be cheaper if you just did that. Well, that didn't last long, Matt, because it is so funny. The two most commented stories on Sifted over the last three months was the first story that they had adjusted the prices and were basically forcing everybody to get Game Pass. And then the second most popular story was the following day when Xbox changed its mind and said, our bad, we're actually not going to change the prices now as you were. I admit, I had to read the price hike thing three times. Because I couldn't believe it. To be like, really? I thought it was like a typo. I was like, no, this is doubling reporting. the price of a basically useless service yep. with no games. Like yeah. you have no, it's not like you have this lineup of games I can't live without right now. You might in a couple of years, yeah. but right now you realize that Elder Scrolls six is not out yet. Right? Like it's what, what a weird move. Why would Microsoft, it is, it is built up so much goodwill, Matt over, I don't know the last year at least, probably longer than that. Yeah, closer to three, really, yeah, in I terms mean, of service provided. Depending on your perspective, I guess. Um, I would I say a year and a half or two years, to me, is where things kind of started turning around and going I mean, in the I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention for a while on Game Pass until probably Gears 5. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they've, they've, been, they've been making the moves. Uh, this was very strange. And the fact that they backtracked that fast, like, I don't... 
I don't know what to make of this. I don't either, dude. Like, what were like, they was thinking? There an like, what was the, what was the goal there? Like, I don't know. To make more money, obviously. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, that's the goal of any company, any decision any company makes. 100% price jump? Like, what? But how do they... How did they think that people were going to be? Did they just think we're idiots? Like I, I'm just completely flabbergasted by it that they would even attempt it. It reminds me yeah. exactly of them showing the Xbox One for the first time, and everybody being like, "What the hell are you people crazy?" And then being like, "Oh crap!" Like <laughs> we made a mistake, and then trying to fix that for the next like five years. This time they're just like, "You know what? We're not going to languish with this one for a year, or so we're just going to cut it off." right now and then the tweet that announced it was just like it was so like unprofessional and looked like it had just been written by some community manager it's like yeah we had a rough day yesterday so we're just gonna switch it all back it's like what (laughs) (laughs) never mind (laughs) just the whole thing is so weird matt how how it was handled when it when it was announced after everybody just comes through christmas and you know, everybody made a lot of people got an Xbox Series X or a Series S. Some people may have just jumped into Microsoft for the first time in like five or six years over these last couple months. And they're like, OK, I've decided I'm getting the Series X or I'm getting the Series S. I'm not getting the PlayStation 5. And like three weeks into being an Xbox owner, this happens like just and nothing about it makes sense. How it was announced, when it was announced. The details of it, like you, Matt, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I thought it was wrong. I was like, no way. This story is misreporting this. So I went and I started looking, and I, everybody was reporting the same thing. I was like, oh, my God, this is real. And then I knew, like, literally that story, most commented story on Sifted in, like, six months. It just blew up. Our users were like, what the heck is going on? And I'll be honest with you, great discussion in there as well because there were some people who like Xbox and they weren't like like fanboying and being irrational. They brought up some good points for a Microsoft's perspective and we're like, well, you know, if, if you look at it from this perspective, and like I did kind of understand that stuff. But the bottom line is it was just a basic bait and switch. You got all these people hooked on Game Pass, hooked on Xbox Live, and you, you put them in a predicament where they feel, you think that they think they can't de- live without it. And so you're trying to leverage that to just convince them to just give you $5 more a month because it just makes too much sense. And that logic, it does work. Let's be honest. It works on a lot of people. And I guarantee you, if they had kept that in place, they probably would have made a lot more money. You would have lost people like me because, there's, dude, there's no way I'm going to trade in spending $60 a year on Xbox Live, which is all I need. I just need to play games online for, you know, 100 and whatever I was going to spend for a Game Pass for an entire year. There's no way I was going to do that. So what would have happened with someone like me is that I would have just paid a monthly charge for Xbox Live anytime a big exclusive came out that I needed to play online. Halo Infinite comes out, get Xbox Live for two months, and by then I'm probably done with it. Another multiplayer game... You know, Forza comes out or whatever, get it for a month so I can play it online. There's no way I'm going to commit like a hundred plus dollars to Xbox when I'm not going to use Game Pass. I'm only going to use Xbox Live. So it was just, to me, it was just dastardly. And I look, I do get that I'm a special case. Um, I am somebody who will only use it for Xbox Live. Most people will use Game Pass. That's the truth. A lot of people see value in it. But when you're people like us, Matt, it's like all the games on that service. You've already made the decision to play them or not play them. And you decided to not play them for very good reasons. Like, I 
I'm not going to use Game Pass to sample stuff. I realize everybody else probably will. But for me personally, and I'm not completely alone, but for me personally, there's no way in hell I was going to sign up for Game Pass when they tried to basically bait and switch me with Xbox Live. It's just crazy. I can't understand what meeting. Who was in the meeting? Like, where was Phil Spencer? Like, it's just it's poor leadership again. Like, Xbox Wherever is they like were they sure cave fast. I know that's what I'm saying. It's like if you really thought about this, how do you cave in like five hours? Like, <laughs> where were your arguments? Where were your where was like the points that you you came across in your meeting? Mostly, that, like what world do you think doubling the price of anything is going to go over well? With ever anywhere? It's, again, it's like people have been paying sixty dollars a year for Xbox Live for forever. And then all of a sudden, you're going to double the price. Well, you, obviously, you know people are going to reject that. And then what are they going to do? You're, you know what they're going to do. They're going to buy and spend an extra six bucks a month for whatever it is for Game Pass. Like, it's just dirty, dastardly, poorly timed, ill-conceived, not thought out. Like, I just... It still just boggles my mind how these big companies with unlimited resources... And let's be honest, Matt, a lot of smart people working there like when you work at a big company you meet smart people like people that are like you're like damn like you come out of a meeting you're like shit i understand why they have their job like you do it all the time and if you're a manager and you're talking to other managers and you're working with people in other departments it happens a lot so where were those people where were the smart people in the yeah. room when this Where was were the smart people in the room when the Xbox One got designed? Right. Like, yeah. it just boggles my mind how you can have these huge corp. And look, Microsoft is massively successful. There are geniuses working there. Like, yeah. is there not like a little group of geniuses at Microsoft that they just throw everything by just for like a quick pass or, so they can't be like, like, you're like an idiot. Kind of, this is yeah, the dumbest thing ever. Some kind of Cerny guy who's just like, he's like, where you yeah. show him the things like, hey, is, is this stupid? Can I just, like, can I just yes, have like, it's very stupid. But, yeah. Can I have 60 seconds of your time? I just yeah. want to run this by a genius. So yeah. or because, run it by a janitor. Yeah. They could have told you too. <laughs> like anyone, anyone who's outside of your weird Microsoft executive bubble could have told you that that was a bad idea. I just, it's just, I'm flabbergasted by the whole thing. And I wasn't alone, man. Everybody else was too. Like the response on the site, there were some people that were like, I kind of get it. But even they were like, I can't get behind the price increase. Like there, you just can't. There's no way to rationalize doubling the cost of a service in one year. It's like Netflix jacks its price up a dollar per month and people lose their crap. Like there's just no evidence that this was ever going to be a good idea, that it was ever going to be successful and you were ever going to get away with it. It was not going to happen. So, yeah, like before even the end of the day, I think that they had already been like, yeah, all right, well, yep, that didn't go over so well. So, and whoops, <laughs> like the the turnaround on the re retraction was so. I mean, I I want to know some dirt. I want to know some details on that. Like, how does that? Like, it to almost me, feels that, like somebody went rogue. It's like what I said about um, <laughs> it's like when back when the the backlash happened for the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer, and all of a sudden they just happened to have another CG in model. In like two days, they had the other model like, in like, there. That <laughs> says to me that there was an internal conflict over what he should look like, and they had an alternative ready to go. Yeah. In this situation, it feels like there must have been some people very very opposed to it, but like someone was not listening. It's insane. It and then when the response happened, insane. there was like, oh, right, I was wrong. Oh, my God, we were, I was wrong. They were right. Back it up, back it up, back it up. Um, 
because it's like if you're gonna make that, I mean, this is a bold move. Yes, it if is. If you're gonna make that bold move, why aren't you ready for Dude, a like bold 30, response? Was it? The last figure I heard was like 30 million Xbox Live subscribers. Mm-hmm. 30 million people you're screwing with. It is just asinine. And like 60 bucks a year from I those know, people from isn't those enough. People. You're messing like, with like billions of dollars. That's a ridiculous amount of money for oh. basically nothing. Who are these like, people in power? Fire them. Get like, them out of there. Gonna like, if you're going to be like, okay, it's 80 bucks a year now. Like, that's not crazy. It's 20 a, it's bucks. Annoying. That's still like a 30 some percent. Like, sure. Like, but it's not, it's not double. And also like, you can't out, even get but... it for a year anymore. It's like, that was yeah. the thing I saw. I was like, wait, I can't subscribe. Doesn't just get a year anymore. Like I, you have to, I have to do it every six months. Yeah, like, they're going to force wait, you to, because they want you why? to reconsider. Like, Signing up for Game Pass every six months. Twice a year now. Like now you make now you give me the opportunity to change my mind twice a year. Why would you do that? Like it's, it's so weird. Well, they, did, they did that on purpose because they want you to like pay that I money think you're and be like the same I'm, sixty bucks. Yeah, they want yeah. you to give more. It's nuts, dude. I it's like every time I feel like I'm starting to regain some faith in Xbox, something like this happens. It's like, Matt, can you think of anything that Sony has done like this? Ever. Just where it's just so stupid that you're like, who could not see this? No, I mean, the cell processor. Yeah, sort of. maybe. But I can understand that because that it's was Ken like, Kutaragi. Yeah, we know who was at fault. We know yeah. the, the, the crazy person that was like out in, in crazy town. I mean, Kudaragi was the source of pretty much all that from, so, I mean, that. And then when they put the PSP out and like. The, or charge, you know, no, the, 500. There, there is one example. 599 US dollars. Yep. There is and uh, well, also when they put the PSP out, I was having the problem where like the, the, the circuit board was over, had to be pushed over a little bit yeah. to fit the screen. Yeah. And the, the, the square button was not catching on some of the models and kudaragi got up and said we have made the most beautiful thing in the world please do not criticize it yeah i was like oh my god like what proprietary cards for vita that was kind of dirty but nothing along this level of stupidity (laughs) but certainly nothing along the lines like that's all like introducing a new thing that's a bad idea there's nothing i can't think of anything that was like you had this kind of gravy train rolling and you just decided to like blow it up, <laughs> blow the bridge up with dynamite for no apparent reason. Yeah. And then you realize like, oh, maybe we should we'll just, just take the fuse out. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do, let's not do that. I'm like, okay, good good call. It's like <laughs> some of their ideas are great. Like right now we're seeing a trailer for Xbox All Access where you can basically, let, you know, put a an Xbox console on layaway and pay it off in installments. That's a great idea. Um, they don't push it anywhere near as much as they should. Have you ever seen a TV commercial for it? No. no. They put up a trailer on their YouTube channel. There's been no marketing for it for the mass audience to even understand it. It even yeah, exists. I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know where to go to be exposed to the fact that it exists. Their website. That's it. Xbox.com. Yeah, so. And there's a tab there that, like, it's... It's a great idea. They should be yeah. pushing it harder instead of like trying to double the it's price a- of Xbox Live. <laughs> yeah, two, those, the, those two things probably came from different people. I know. I know. Yeah. And that maybe that person wasn't in the meetings where all this stuff went down. But anyway, the good news is they just completely reversed everything and they're just trying to act like it never happened now. And, mm-hmm. and I will say this because they did reverse course so quickly most people, I think, are not going to remember it. We're talking about it here on Game Face. We'll never talk about it again. Maybe in jest here or there. I mean, maybe at the end of the year, like it might make like one of the biggest, like a turkey, work, yeah, like dumbest thing, thing done this yeah. year. 
<laughs> we'll make a new award for it. Like, Dumbest I mean, thing turkey, done this year. This award. is the sense of like, you know, around Turkey, Turkey, Thanksgiving, Turkey things. It'd be, it'd be a thing to point us like, Hey, remember five million years ago in January when Microsoft did this? Yeah. Like yeah, that's about all it'll be. It'll be a, it'll be a weird footnote of, of all the things that happened in the world that one week in January, 2021, Microsoft tried to double the price of Xbox Live and then ran away. <laughs> it's, a, it's just insane. So anyway, we'll, we will not talk about this again. Microsoft came to its senses and has reversed everything. You can now, actually, mm-hmm. did they reverse that? Can you get a year of Xbox Live now? I don't, I mean, I, I know the price reverted back to the old price, but I don't know if you can buy a year still. I don't know, you could before, sure. so I don't think they changed anything One, No, one thing they did relent on is free-to-play games will be able to access Xbox Live for free. Yeah, with no subscription. With no subscription. That's, and that, that makes, was actually that like a bonus. So they tried to screw us all over, and then they come back with like, actually, here's something that you didn't have before that <laughs> yeah. we're going to give you now. Here's more value for, <laughs> please leave us alone. It, they, they basically turned into like one of the, you know, you, you've seen the, you've seen the videos where like they're, they're doing, the guys are doing some stupid prank thing and they do it to the wrong guy. And yep. they, the guys are it's like, it's just a prank, bro. It's a prank. Like the, like Microsoft is the prank bro guy. Or you, you know? see the prank bros on YouTube that are just doing the prank. And when somebody actually gets really angry, then they run away yelling, it's a prank, yeah. it's a prank. Don't yeah, that, my that's, what I, that's what I'm referring to. Is, they better is hope they don't Microsoft do it to me because I'll run them down and I'll beat their ass. <laughs> <laughs> and they better they won't capture that on video and put it in their their YouTube video. But anyway, again, just an insane week this week it has been, and it's like the middle of January, so it's just been crazy. And mm-hmm. speaking of more crazy, Valve has come out of its shell, Matt, after decades of. Just like making money off of Steam and releasing weird like hardware projects here and there, they finally released a game and a great game that wasn't Dota or some other like free to play piece of whatever. It was an awesome Half Life game for VR, and I think I think when we saw Half Life Alex for the first time, I think maybe some of us had an inkling that okay, maybe this is what's going to wake Valve up. Because literally, it's the best VR game ever made by a gigantic margin. Um, and it, I think it's Metacritic is like a 95 or something insane. Um, I would like to see them figure out a way to do it outside of VR so more people could play it. Um, and maybe they will do that someday and they'll sell like the 6 million copies or whatever that the game deserves to sell that it hasn't sold yet. Um, but Gabe has busted out of his shell. He was like a recluse for literally like a decade now he's all over the place. He's out there doing interviews. I should also add, Matt, he's lost a ton of weight and looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's working out or just changed his diet, but he looks awesome. Like I think, I think also he's you know he's been in New Zealand for the the duration of the pandemic, and I think he, he said in the interviews he's he's considering staying there, becoming a citizen, and, and living in New Zealand from now on. Uh, and New Zealand has a healthier diet, yeah, than America. He but, looks you know, awesome. He's also not in the you know in an office all the time, yep. and he can cook his own food, and like you know, there's a lot of changes that probably did him a good. Um, also, like I love that he's like, yeah, when we put Half Like Alex out, we uh, we remembered how fun it is to ship a game. That, that was his <laughs> exact like, quote. Yeah, like, that was whoa, his exact knows? quote. He's like, we put out Half Like Alex, and it's fun shipping games, and yeah. now and now it's, it's fun getting to play your games, yes, Gabe. Even more so, and. Now they're like, yeah, we're gonna we're working on like three or four games now. Valve is back. Valve is back. How big of a deal is that, Matt? 
Well, let's let's see them put something else out first. But like, if they if they can actually start putting out content again and remember how to count to three, it's uh, it's kind of an earth earth shaking event yes. in the industry. I mean, look, they didn't make a game for forever, and then they show back up and they make like one of the best shooters of the last several years. I mean, they and made the best VR game that- ever. They made that card game that lasted five minutes. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that was? I think it was, wasn't that a Dota game as well? Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like it was Dota themed, a yeah. themed card, like a Valve themed card. I can't remember what that was. I'm sure someone in chat will tell us. Dominion, not Dominion. Dominion? Being with a D. Artifact. It didn't begin with a D. Artifact. It was Artifact. Yeah. Um, also, I see Fight JK asking if there are any more sh- shirts in extra large. There are. Yeah, just head over to sifted.net slash store. Um, and there are both shirts are still available in XL. Um, so three games from Valve. Do you think they're all going to be Half-Life games, Matt? No. No? No. I think, uh, I mean, one of them might be Half-Life. Um, I feel like uh, one will be one will be Half-Life. One will be um, something new. Portal? And, you think uh, we'll get another Portal? No. I don't no. think we'll get another Portal. Wow. Um, the people who made Portal are gone. I mean, the crazy part about Valve is it does not have a ton of IP. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It, it Once Steam took off, it was like, screw game development. That's a pain in the ass. Like, we can just sit here and count money <laughs> I mean, all day. I mean, I do know that there's a, there's have been a lot of game development projects internally at Valve. Yeah. Um, yeah just we've never heard of them, and they've never seen the light of day. So they really... They can pick and choose internally whatever they decide. Whatever they decide is like something worth fully pursuing. Now, now that they've decided it's fun to ship. Um, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be. You know, I'm. Uh, hey, how about episode three? Everybody, like Half Life episode, Half Life two, episode three. Like they never made that. How? Um, how? Talk about Earth shaking. Or episode two. Was it episode two? They never shipped. It was three that they never shipped. Three. Yeah. Imagine. It- <laughs> imagine how earth shaking that would be, Matt. Finally, yeah. after how many years now has it been? Twenty? No, Half Life Two came out in two thousand four. Did it? Um, it's, been, it's been like fifteen years. Yeah, no, it was a few. It was a few years. It was more like thirteen, I think. That's I a long episode, time to wait for a piece of DLC. The episodes took a long time to come out. I don't remember when that happened. And they weren't even that long. Like the episodes only took like the last one. I think took like four hours or something like that to complete. They're not. Yeah, episode they two was two thousand seven. So that was. Going on 14 years. Yeah. It's been a long, long time. So um, so Portal, Half-Life, and Valve doesn't have a whole lot after that. So maybe we're going to get some new IP here from Valve. I, I would guess we'll see some new stuff. Yeah. Um, please don't be like Dota whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think Dota's good. Dota's like a sport. It's like you don't see people mm-hmm. changing NFL football or soccer. Like, just let it lie. Keep adding on to what you have there already. Uh, it's a, obviously a game as a service that's doing yeah, very well. I mean, so. Alex is the, the catalyst is encouraging because you know VR or no VR, it's at least a a guide, a kind of a single player immersive experience. It is crazy creative. Like I'm, we're watching again. I know you can't see it, but we're watching B roll of it right now, and it's like. Watching it is like there's no shooter like this. There's no other shooter on the market like Half Life Alex, whether it's VR or not. It's I'm excited. I and do you think Gabe is still working on games? Maybe is the bigger question. If he's in New Zealand, like how much is he really working on projects? I mean, now? I don't. He's he runs the company. I don't think he's particularly involved in a lot of it. Besides, sort of a supervisory sort of. Well, that looks good. Like you know, right. kind of thing. Um, I like that idea type stuff. Yeah, like he's the George Lucas. He's yeah. sort of like yeah, sure. That works. Does that scare you at all that he may not work on the games? 
Because no. he back in the Half Life days, he was neck deep in development. Oh, back in the old days, sure. He I don't was know the guy who demoed the games at E3. Right. I don't know how much he did had to do with directly with Half Life Two. Um, he demoed it for the first time he, at E3. A lot of people demo things they didn't work on, but uh, it's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't even know who's there anymore. Like the internal workings of Valve is still kind of a mystery to the world. Well, the there's the part. Nintendo of America. <laughs> yeah. They're the basically the only American developer that is as secretive as Nintendo is. Like nobody mm-hmm. goes inside except for Jeff Keighley. Nobody goes inside Valve. You just don't. Not much. I did once. Yeah, I was there one time for I can't remember what it was. I was there for Half Life Two to review it. Uh, I, I that flew up and it. no, I flew up and I played Greg for like two days and left. Like that was it. Like the only people I saw were Gabe Doug Doug Lombardi and like one PR person. Yeah, Doug Lombardi. He's been there for forever. Good dude. Um, and it'll be great to see him do something again, Matt. What has he been doing all this time? He has no games to rep. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's really bizarre. Um, but it's good to see. Uh, just Half-Life Alex, what it's shown, and we're check, we're watching, again, we're watching the B-roll right now. It's awesome. And if they can make more games of that quality, I'm all about it. Uh, I'm really excited about this. And then, as a final caveat, before the week ended... Gabe did another interview, again, Gabby Gabe, like the uh, lower third says. He did another interview where he started talking about controlling games with your brain. <laughs> and someone brought it up with him and, he, and as if it were like this pie-in-the-sky idea. And he's like, oh, no, we've been working on that for three years. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen. Like, it's not some pie-in-the-sky thing. It already kind of works. And in another year or two, it's going to be there. How do you feel about... Because, Matt, you don't like motion controls. So how would you feel about controlling a game with your brain instead of a controller? I'm going to guess that that would be more accurate than motion controls. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I would hope. I mean, that, is, that, that tech has been has been around for a good 10 years. Yeah. Uh, it's you know simple stuff, but it, it, it can work. And uh, you know, I'm sure you could turn, turn something into something with it. Uh, it's yet another device that only does one thing you'd pay a couple yeah. hundred dollars for vr yeah. style but like hard sell uh here's the i mean i'm sure uh whatever valve's like third iteration of the index is will have that tech in it yeah um like how do you feel about that VR. though i mean are there sort of concerns about that like you know it doesn't they're obviously not implanting anything in your brain no. and there's there's nothing like jabbing into your head or anything it's just these sensors that rest on your head but do you think people will be nervous about technology like that i mean they shouldn't be it's not it's not any different than having an ekg taken um you know they're not going to steal your thoughts <laughs> or anything it's like but we live in a world where people are afraid that vaccines are going to track them with microchips so who fucking that's knows what i was about to say think. i mean we have a bunch of people who won't take the vaccine either because they haven't researched it and realize that they have tested it thoroughly or they think mm-hmm. there's a microchip in the vaccine yeah, it's like you know what it's like you already have yeah how about device. that phone you have in your pocket bro <laughs> it's been tracking you all yeah. these people <laughs> matt or the, these, the thing that they used to arrest you all from the Capitol building? Like, yeah, you noticed that they knew where you were? These people <laughs> are so stupid. So if there is someone dumber than the people at Microsoft who pulled the trigger on yeah. on this crazy price increase for Xbox Live, it's those people. They are maybe, maybe idiots. That's what, maybe that's what happened. The, the executive that made the call at Microsoft, his microchip malfunctioned. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. Uh, Bill Gates hit the wrong button. 
It's like, oh, I'm, I meant to do the, the send me money button, but I hit the, the charge people ridiculous amounts of money button. But seriously, look, I mean, if they think that there's like a microscopic chip in a vaccine, imagine what they'll think about like a video game that controls with your mind. They're going to think that, oh, they're sending signals the other way and they're reprogramming yeah, I'm, me. Like, <laughs> I'm going to guess that those people are not the target audience for the boutique <laughs> VR video game experience, really. So. <laughs> it's hilarious. So anyway, uh, Valve is back, people. It's great to see. It's like it feels like this industry, as soon as like a drop leaves the bucket, like we lose a studio or we lose a publisher like Konami, something always replaces it or comes yeah, well, back. I'm, I'm going to wait and see them release a few things first before I get too excited about it. Like yeah. we, we've heard, you know, we've heard Half-Life 3 is coming for a long, long time. And, you know, if, if they put a, another game out very soon, then I'll be excited that Valve's back. But right now, I'm, it's cool that Gabe's talking about it and like he's, you know, having a good, good, good life down in New Zealand and stuff. Uh, I'm happy to read all that, that he's uh, doing well after all this pandemic crap. Um, certainly being ensconced in New Zealand is about what the ideal situation because mm -hmm. they got that stuff under, under control so quickly. Um, it's a beautiful country, but uh, that's, so that's great. Like, I think that's great news all, all on its own. If we also get some new Valve games shortly down the road, even better. Yep. Double but I'm going to wait and see what it, if it happens first. Yep. So we've uh, been here before. Yep. So there you go. That's the latest update on Valve. Things are looking pretty good, people, and I'm pretty excited yeah. about it. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, let's see. Next up, we're going to talk about GameStop. Another crazy story this week, and this one may be more insane than the Xbox flip-flop. This is just bonkers what happened this week with GameStop. So a quick synopsis, GameStop's stock has literally risen. I think the last figure I saw was like 3,600% in like the last like couple weeks, basically. And... GameStop's financials haven't turned around or anything. Like, it's doing okay. It's doing a little better now that there's a pandemic. But nothing fundamentally has changed about GameStop's business that would necessitate the stock price sky... I mean, it has skyrocketed. It went from, like, $4 to, like, $80 in, like, a week. It's It just doesn't happen. And so people are like, what the heck is going on? And I was honestly confused about it at first. Um, and... Uh, Here's here's the crib notes version of what's going on because I know you guys are probably all just as confused as I was, and I did some research before the show, and I think I have it basically figured out. What happened is game game stops. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to say game spot at least once. Game stop. Its stock was starting to go up a little bit because GameStop had hired a couple executives from Chewy.com, and Chewy.com is like a pet delivery service where you can get your food and your dog toys and all that kind of stuff just sent to you. And they have done very, very well. In fact, I know they've done very well because every time I go home, there's at least three boxes from Chewy in the foyer of my apartment complex. <clears throat> so they've mastered e-commerce essentially. And GameStop hired them. And they were going to come in and just completely change the business, close a bunch of retail stores, and make GameStop a digital giant. Well, they did close a bunch of stores, but the other part of it hadn't really happened yet. But some people started buying the stock just on the idea that these ringers from Chewy were coming into GameStop and were going to fix stuff. Well, what happened was, as the stock started to rise, you started having like people come, legitimate investors come in and start to invest in the company. But what they were doing is 
they were short selling the stock. And basically what that is is you buy the stock at a certain price with the idea that you know the price is going to go down and then you get the stock on that day, but you end up paying a cheaper price for it. It is a really, in my opinion, it's a really slimy practice. It's completely legit and completely legal. But people like you and I who maybe have an account on Robinhood or maybe you have a portfolio with a few stocks. You're like, oh, I like Apple. I got Apple. I like Nintendo. I got Nintendo. People like us, we can't short sell and we don't short sell. Um, so what they're basically doing is buying it whenever they can get it and then you know, covering their butt in case it goes down. And if they have to sell it later, they don't lose money like everybody else does. Well, what happened was a group on Reddit realized what was going on. There was tons of people short selling uh, GameStop's stock. And so the Reddit group was like, well, you know what we could do is we could just all go buy GameStop stock and just screw them. Because what happens is when you short sell a stock, you have a very specific window of time that you need to actually purchase the stock. And once you get to that deadline, whatever the price of the stock is, is what you have to pay. Because you've technically already bought the stock. You just bought yourself some time thinking the price was going to go down and you're going to be able to buy it at a lower price. Well, what happened is this Reddit group starts buying GameStop stock. All these people who had short sold GameStop got screwed because instead of the stock going down like they had anticipated, it went up. And when the period ended, they're then forced to buy the stocks at that price, which then makes the stock price go up even more. So it turns into this snowball rolling downhill where you have all these short sellers who are running out of time. They, they hit the deadline. They're forced to buy the stock at that higher price. So the stock price keeps going up. It was this perfect storm of screwing short sellers. And I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm like, here's the thing, though. A lot of good people are going to get screwed over this, Matt, because today, this morning, one of my very best friends from Philadelphia texted me and was like, oh, my God, I got in on GameStop yesterday. You know, I thought it was too late, but it's still spiking today. And I was like, sell, 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 sell. Mm -hmm. Because all you have all these people that are just watching the stock go up and they go and they read a story. He's like, well, I read the story about, like, you know, the, the Nintendo Switch had done really well because of the pandemic and this animal game did really well and then therefore GameStop did really well so I thought it was like a, it was just legit I'm like it's not legit there's a bunch of Reddit people messing with the stock market and it mad it's scary that you could even do this I like that they did it to screw with people that I deem to be kind of scummy in the first place but you could do this for anything like any right. Reddit well, it's, a, it's a very sharp reminder that it's all imaginary Right, it is. Like, and the, the cool value thing about of all it, though, this stuff is only something we all just sort of decided to agree on. Yes, it's all it's like a fairy tale. Like the stock market is like, like this thing yeah. that is not real. It's so money bizarre. Itself. That's what money itself is. Like, don't think about it too much. It's very It'll disturbing. It'll blow your mind if you really start yeah. thinking about it. Because now, like, we don't even have gold reserves to back up all no. our paper money anymore like we used to have. Like, No, it's all fiat currency. And yep. by the way, fiat currency only works if everybody owes something to right? everybody else. Exactly. And so the, the flip side of this is some of the people on Reddit literally got rich because yeah. – they bought the stock at when it was at like 20 or whatever and bought a ton of it because they're trying to. It was at to, four at one point. Yeah. So they bought it at whatever they bought it at. And then, you know, they bought a lot to jack it up. So if it's only $4 a share and you're rich, 
You get a million shares for four million dollars. Yeah. Now imagine you have a million shares, and that went from four dollars to eighty dollars. You just yeah, made. Some guy, uh, I saw some guy on Reddit. Made eighty million dollars. He bought he bought something like two hundred thousand worth at the beginning of it, and now it's worth twenty million. Yes, it's unreal. The whole story is just insane. You're absolutely right, Matt. It just shows you what a sham the stock market mm. is. It's and how the stock market being used as a like a, a way to take the temperature of, our of the economy, economy is, is joke. nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Because you can manipulate it like that, and this is it's such a weird thing. It's it's. It's uh, we've seen it's an interesting thing to me in the sense that we've seen how a sort of like uh, spur of the moment Internet got almost a meme or a, or, a, or a raid. It's almost like a Twitch chat raid. Right. Yeah, it almost um, is. You're right. That's kind you can, of exactly you can what short it is. circuit what we thought are kind of the cornerstones of very serious businesses like like the government, like uh, reality, like truth, <laughs> like the press, like the stock market, like this is like a weird sort of reverse digital Occupy Wall Street at this point. It is. And I feel bad for GameStop because, <laughs> seriously. GameStop is just being batted around like a mouse. It's being in this. used. It's, yeah. by bo- it was being used by both sides. The short sellers were trying to use GameStop to make money. And now these guys have got rich off GameStop. And all they're going to do is sell it. And the stock is going to go right back down to where it was. Like, if you actually talk to a financial analyst, their target price for GameStop right now is like $11. And it's an mm-hmm. $80. So many people are going to lose their ass. But in the meantime, a ton of people have made a metric ton of yeah. money. And I guarantee you there are people that are trying to figure out a way to make sure this never happens again. Yeah, but you can't. There's nothing it's you gonna can be do. Very, it's going to be impossible to really do that without fundamentally changing how stock buying works. And yep. I don't think they want to do that. They don't want to do that. It would put everything in tatters. It's yeah. It's really Because the normal market functions on stability and predictability. And if you put in something that messes with that, no matter how well-intentioned, it's going to crash things. And I feel terrible for GameStop because it is struggling so badly, and it has been for so long. And fine, like, you got to imagine, like, the first day when things looked kind of realistic, how they must have celebrated. You know, they're in there, they're mm-hmm. like, man, we have just been beat up for the last four years. Look at our stock, man, it doubled. Imagine when it went from $4 to $8. At that point, you're like, wow, finally we got the breakthrough. And you think it's legit. And then it just keeps going and going, and as each hour passes, you realize it. You're you're just a screw. Oh, don't don't feel too bad for them. Yeah, like, I mean, because a bunch of those guys yeah. sold their stock. They did. I you're bet. right. You're right. And they also made the bed that they're lying in right now. But I feel yeah. bad for the guys that they had just brought in from Chewy, who are like, we're coming in here. Like, leave a hey, Chewy to go it. to GameStop <laughs> was a bad move. <laughs> like, yeah. They obviously cared about the business and were trying to turn the business around. They were probably big gamers who have an affinity for GameStop. And they come in there, and you have this big win, you think, and it turns out that it's just all a sham. So I guess really the long and short of it is do not buy GameStop stock. I know a lot of you guys are probably sitting there right now. You're probably begging begging me to get Pactor on Game Face for this episode, to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, he was quoted in the article that we curated on Sifted about this. So if you want his perspective, just go read that article. He's in there with a couple of different quotes. Um, but 
Don't buy it. You're going to end up broke. Whatever you buy it at, you're going to end up selling it for like one thirtieth of what you bought it for. Yeah, it's too late. May it go up a little bit still? Yeah. It may have another day or two where it continues to go up. But eventually the, the gig's going to be up and people are going to sell their stocks and you're going to be left there with stocks that are worth half, if you're lucky, what you paid for them. So don't do it. It's all a ruse and a very clever ruse and a very effective ruse. And I agree, Matt. Like, I don't know what they could do to try to keep this from happening in the future, but they got to try to do something. But don't be fooled. Don't buy this stock. I am glad that my friend reached out to me this morning because uh, he's like, it's spiking again. It's still going up. It's still going up. And like, he has just started yeah. getting into stocks. And somebody who I mean, just gets into it, AMC. that's like crack cocaine, dude. You can tell him to buy AMC. That's the next target. That's what's going to happen next. Yeah, that's what they're saying. They're going to they're gonna do the same thing with AMC. So you're right. And I'm not telling you to do this. I'm flipping no. back to the camera <laughs> to tell you this with me on screen. I am not telling you to buy or sell any stocks. I don't know jack squat about the stock market. I know yeah. a little, but I'm going to tell and you we, I don't know jack squat. <laughs> and we don't even know if that'll it'll work again. Yes. Do not do it. And don't listen to us. We are not we are not certified financial advisors. Um, we're just talking about the stuff as it relates to video games. So, And I tried to help out my friend by telling him not to buy it, and I think I'm helping out maybe a couple of you guys as well by doing that. But we are not stock analysts. We are not the people you want to listen to when you're deciding to buy or sell stock. But in this case, I think it's pretty obvious that you should stay the F away. Um, it is a disaster waiting to happen. And I do, despite what GameStop has done to put itself in this position, I do feel bad for the company. It has just taken its licks for the last year, three or four years and had to close a bunch of stores last year. It's really got its tail between its legs right now. And this is like the worst time to do something like this to a company. So I don't know. It's I pretty mean, much it's, bad it's, all around. It's it's for the people anyway. who got rich, I guess. I don't know. It's dead. Anyway, look, if the, if the price goes up, I think the last I saw, which is probably different now because it's been a few hours. Well, as I saw, the price goes up another 17%. The $13.1 billion hedge fund that was short, short selling it will go bankrupt yeah. on Friday. Yep. And they'll deserve it because they're doing that's slimy kind of crap. Awesome. Short selling is slimy. It's legal and it's an accepted practice, but it's slimy. So mm -hmm. sometimes, just as you sow, you shall reap. So that's. Pretty much the whole GameStop story. I don't know if we'll talk about this again because I think we might actually. Because I think by this time next week, it, the stock will be back down to like the real stock price, which is really probably around $8 a share is where it should be. Yeah. What Whatever that means. Right. Yeah, what real. does that even mean? Because <laughs> it's all a fairy tale, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's scary to think how much like I have a 401k that's like mostly stocks like – and it's just all a fairy tale, but it's worked out okay for my mom who just retired. So I'm just gonna keep rowing the boat, Kyle. <laughs> gonna keep rowing it in that same direction. Uh, keep chasing that boomer. You got to. How else are you gonna make enough money to retire? That's the only way you can do it. Like an IRA isn't gonna get you there. It's just not. So uh, a lot of most a lot of people younger than us won't won't get into stocks. Won't retire. Won't retire at all. Yeah, it's scary, dude. I know. I mean, we may not. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, you're fine, obviously. I may not be. I don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, you know, we might just be fire, dealing with firestorms in the wasteland by then, anyway. Like, who <laughs> <it's> knows? <true. laughs> Money may not even exist. Then, the really, it'll be a fight for gold. Might make it completely irrelevant what your four hundred one k is worth. <laughs> it could be true. Trade it all for a bottle of Aquafina. <laughs> I am not wishing that, by the way. I hope my four hundred one k matures and I'm able to retire and we have a normal society. 
Uh, all right, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk next about Naughty Dog. Um, I think a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with Naughty Dog because they just wrapped up The Last of Us Part Two, which, by the way, just like dethroned with The Witcher 3 is the most heralded video game of all time or whatever. Um, we'll let you guys debate that the in the chat. Whether it, whether most, it, most awarded. What'd you say, Matt? I think it's the most awarded. Yeah, game something of all like time. that. It's like the most whatever a video game ever. And um, we'll let you guys debate that in the chat whether it deserves to dethrone The Witcher 3 or not. That's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss what is Naughty Dog going to do? Because as we talked about in last week's episode, um, it appears that Uncharted is being handled by Sony San Diego and maybe Killzone. Uh, but Sony San Diego has kind of been designated as this IP revival studio, which also means that it appears that, you know, Naughty Dog is ready to move on from Uncharted. It hasn't said anything like that about The Last of Us Part Two, but it just released the latest game and it took them forever to make it. So, Naughty Dog's working on something else. Neil Druckmann is probably going to be involved in the HBO show a lot. Who knows how much how involved he's going to be on it. So people are just clamoring for information on what the studio may be working on next. And for good reason. They make amazing games. Um, and a concept artist who just left Naughty Dog put his portfolio up on LinkedIn, and lo and behold, there was concept art for a Naughty Dog project that appears to be a high-fantasy Naughty Dog game, Matt. How excited would you be for a fantasy-based Naughty Dog game? Uh, it depends what it is. Really? Yeah. Like I, I mean, the co- concept of it is fine. Like the, the art looks nice, um, but I need to see what it is. Like, because um, I'm more interested in the game and the story. Uh, but like knowing of- how good of a storyteller they are, knowing how gritty uh, and realistic their games tend uh, to be. Here's the thing: I've only liked one of Neil Druckmann's stories. Mm. So you didn't like any of the Uncharted stories. That was Amy Hennig. Um, the 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 Uncharted he he wrote was Uncharted Four and I hated it. Yeah, I mean um, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't as good as the first three. That's for sure. I didn't especially like Last of Us One. Uh, I liked the characters, but I thought the story was was pretty dull. Um, I like Lost Legacy, but he didn't he didn't do that one uh, narratively. Still, and, the talents there though. And I thought uh, and I thought Last of Us Two was great. I mean, it's the, but like that's the first time I really felt like. Druckmann's writing matched up to his to the rep, yeah. uh, basically. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would be interested, but I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, the best fantasy game ever is coming. Like it's just like an interesting idea to me because also like I feel like they wouldn't repeat themselves. It wouldn't be, you know, Last of Us with dragons or like uncharted with swords i mean like, i, I feel like they do something different i don't think we'll see another traditional action adventure from naughty dog i think mm-hmm. going forward they'll and they were slow to transition from pretty much every other high profile big budget studio everyone else had transitioned to the action rpg a while ago obviously the latest god of war rpg light um, and you can see them inching that way in The Last of Us Part Two. There are definitely some RPG-ish elements. But I yeah, think the, up, the upgrade tree is definitely more that than they've yep, done before. Absolutely. And I think we'll see them continue go, to go in that direction. Um, and I don't think it's rocket science. Like I, I feel like Naughty Dog will be able to handle that. So I look at the other things that could be X-Factors, like visual fidelity, production values, writing, audio, um, everything that naughty dog is amazing at and i just i struggle 
to see how a fantasy game made by Naughty Dog would not be the bee's freaking knees. I just really do. Uh, I would love to see Naughty Dog apply its skills and its trade to a new, something entirely new, but for a lot of us gamers, something that's very familiar and something that we absolutely want and something we never get tired of. Um, like, you know, you could, I could probably say, you know, after Lord of the Rings, I was burnt out on fantasy stuff for a while, but then comes Game of Thrones and I'm right back in there again. And it's like, I never watched a fantasy anything before. Like we just, I believe as gamers, we are predisposed to that, to fantasy. Um, a lot of us came from D and D as we talked about last week when we were discussing Baldur's Gate three, it's just, it's almost like D and D and RPGs. It's a farm league to make you become a gamer. It's almost like rites of passage that a lot of us go through. Um, and to see, in my opinion, or probably, vice versa, a lot of people come to tabletop from that's video true. games. As that well. has actually been happening a lot in the last like three or four years for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me to have a studio that I believe is one of the top three studios in the world um, at creating video games <clears throat> tackle subject matter that is really near and dear to my heart. I mean, I don't know. That's a win-win for me. I, I'm, I am way more excited for this than I would have been if they said their next game was The Last of Us Part Three or Uncharted Five. I just am. Um, well, I would definitely be rather see this see a fantasy game out of them than Uncharted Five. But uh, sounds like Uncharted's moving on to different waters, yeah. um, which is probably the right move. It is. Uh, I mean, sure. Like, I'm sure. Yeah. I. But again, like, I take games as they come, one at a time. And while Naughty Dog has the pedigree, I need to see what it is before I get excited about it. I'm excited already. (laughs) Musical. I mean, if I was going to pick a thing for them to do, it would probably be either that or like sci-fi. Um. I'd like to. I'd like to see them stretch their legs in a more outside of reality. (laughs) Yeah, fantastical direction. You know, go back uh, the way that I mean, the way they were when they started. But what does it look like when the guy who guys who animated that you know the the Uncharted Four dragged by the rope in the mud scene? What what happens when those guys tackle a dragon? Right. That's what I'm talking about. Right. But there's more. There's more to the game than just that. Like because that didn't save Uncharted Four for me. So I (laughs) I need to see something more substantial yeah i mean it's, but yeah, obviously it's, it's the not potential just is definitely there yeah i mean i would argue that the last of also, us part two was dispelled a lot of the doubts that i had after playing uncharted 4 somewhat that yeah sense. but it, but it can vary by project you know yeah. not everything's a winner uh even the top directors and top writers around don't always hit it out of the park but naughty dog has never released a dud unless you count that multiplayer-ish jack game that they made <laughs> Oh, what was that called? I can't remember. Did they do one of the? I don't remember what that was. Jack Jack X. That was yeah, like a racing I think game. that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> like a racing combat thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they strayed a little bit, but even look, even those games, even though I didn't like the concepts, they were still high quality and really polished. So, oh, yeah. like, I'm not going to say Uncharted Four was a was an unpolished or bad project. I'm just going to say I didn't like didn't it at it. all. Yeah. Um. So Naughty Dog is not an auto win for me. Um. Last of Us Two was amazing, but like, I'm not I'm not ready to give them the benefit of the doubt for the next next round yet. But like that that piece of concept art was like, oh, that would be cool to see. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be neat. I would just I mean I would just honestly I would love it if they just got the Game of Thrones license and just made a Game of Thrones <laughs> no, game. I, no, no, I would not want that at all. Why? Because no. fuck Game of Thrones. I'm ah, done with Game of Thrones. You don't like Game of Thrones. 
that the end of that series was the most dog shit terrible thing. <laughs> it, it retroactively ruined Game of Thrones for me because now I know I can't watch those or the early seasons anymore. Knowing and how enjoy it ends, because I know where it goes. <laughs> um, and we're never going to get the last books out of Martin to like have a, a different take on the ending. So it's like it's going to be finished by his ghost, I think, at this something point. Like, yeah, something like that. Or I mean, ghost really, he's, got two, he's got two books left. We don't even think. It's not, is, that's is not the happening, next one come, Is six one going to come out this year? No, of course not. You know like, two books aren't happening. We might get one. My guess is there'll be one, and then he'll have notes for the second. That will then be applied to make some other movie. Yeah, it'll be like, it'll be like Dune. Or, Dune yeah. or Wheel of Time kind of thing. Like you'll get somebody else to finish him. That's my guess. Um but well, I am very just, excited by this, and I would be totally cool with and It doesn't have to be like the retelling of the HBO series. It could just be a game set in that world with maybe yeah, the characters I, that are left. Yeah, I just don't find that world compelling in that regard. Wow. I, I didn't, I didn't I, care about you got to admit you're in the minority on that one, though. I don't think I am anymore, and I don't think I am in terms of a video game because the, mo- the interesting thing about – uh, the Game of Thrones world is the character-driven stuff and how the politics and cultures influence how they all behave and interact with each other. And that is not amazing, like basis for an action RPG game. Yeah, you know, like, like there's there's a there's a you could make a more interesting world than that. Even with George R. R. Martin, you know, like like Elden Ring. Elden Ring is not a Game of Thrones game, but they're using his input to kind of build the world because that's where he excels. Um, that would be a more interesting thing to me. A Game of Thrones is not an interesting place to set an action-packed. Because like there's no dragons left. There's no yeah. You know, like, I don't know where I don't know but where Matt, you go you, with it. It's just the universe, the world, bro. It's you know right, you're not picking up at the end that. of like the TV I know show. About, you could go know, back to where there's a world with like a million dragons. But I I know all that lore. I read all that stuff, and there's 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 no room in the history to tell but that Matt, story. But Matt, you know all Star Wars, and you still keep watching more Star Wars, and you keep That's playing not more what Star I'm Wars games. About. That's like not, because the Star Wars games are telling stories that are outside of the realm of what has been established in the lore. What I'm talking about is what you're talking about with like the 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 high age of the dragons and the and the the dragon stone and all that stuff that's all established like we like they they laid out what happens there and i don't think naughty dog would want to be constrained by that like why wouldn't naughty dog just want to tell their own story outside of a world they'd be beholden to a license on well they could like, still tell that doesn't make story. any sense at all they to me i wouldn't want story. to they absolutely but they but they wouldn't want to be constrained by someone else's property. There was no way they would do that. And I would I would not want them to do that. And I would I would think it would be awesome. And I think it would sell it would be their best selling game ever. The other it wouldn't it wouldn't at all. And the that's saying game, something because the game their games game have sold very well. No, it wouldn't. The Game of Thrones is over. No one even talks about it anymore. It would not sell as many as Last of Us Part Two, I guarantee you. It would be a bad idea. I also, wish I could the other Game of Thrones one. games have been, the other <laughs> Game of Thrones to, video games have been better terrible. be settled up in like eight years. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing. Or never. God knows, God knows when we we'll actually see this fucking thing. Um, I mean, the actual fantasy game, if they decide to make it from that, that concept art, I mean, that thing's five, six years away, right? Like, that's the end of PS5 lifespan, probably. Yep. I mean, that's um, probably accurate because they're going to put out, like, the PS5 Enhanced Last of Us Part Two yeah. first. And then I, my guess is we get one Naughty Dog game for PS5, maybe two. Yeah, I mean, I still hold to the idea that Last of Us is going to continue to be sort of the end of life game for PlayStation's. You know, like so you think Last of Us Part Three is? I think Last of Us Three will sort of be come out near the end of the PS5's existence. Okay. Um, although, since like as you said last week, you think this gen's going to be longer. That's probably going to be true. So I could see them squeezing in another game between now and Last of Us Three, and Last of Us Three will just kind of be the end of the PS5. Okay, Fair whenever enough. that is. Um, but anyway, uh, a new frontier 
for Naughty Dog. I think a lot of people are yeah, just I mean, excited I mean, by that prospect. Something new. Yeah, like just the, to see the a, next a studio that skilled and that talented work on something different. I think is very exciting. So uh, we'll all yeah. be holding our breath until we get the first look at it, and it could be like E3 2023 until we do. Uh, but it's out there. The art's out there. Uh, you can go check it out. The story is curated up on Sifted. Uh, there was like four or five different stills, I think. I love the art. Mm-hmm. Um, I was into the world just from that concept art. So no, they look good. Stuff. Yeah. All right. It's time to move on to our last topic. And undoubtedly, the biggest game, not just of this week, but also the biggest game of January. And that is Hitman 3. Uh, we we just missed it with last week's show. I really wish we could have talked about it before the game came out. Unfortunately, we did not get review code for this beforehand. Uh, but both Matt and I have been playing it um, over the last week or so. Uh, Matt, I'm going to let you start on this one. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm a little confused on this game. And I don't, I don't even know that I know how I really feel about it yet. How do you feel? And maybe what you say will help shape my thoughts a little better. No, I'm confused. Okay. What do you mean? Because I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I like it or not. I I mean, it's the same game as the last two. It is. Yes, it is. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the Crib Notes version of Hitman 3, is that it is the same game, and it's in 2021. I mean, there's there's some key differences, but it is essentially, you know, they, they made a trilogy and they're all roughly the same. And I will say this, this this kind of reinvented trilogy is the is the first time I've ever liked Hitman. Um, I didn't I couldn't get into the original games. I tried to play Blood, Blood, Money and Contacts and Absolution and bounced right off of them. These games, of these versions of Hitman are the first time I've ever gotten into Hitman at all. Um, and, um, like, I don't even, because, you know, we've, we've established that I'm not a huge stealth game fan. Yeah. I don't even really think of these as stealth games. They're more like puzzle games to me. It's like murder puzzles. That is um, the best way to describe it. It's, I yeah. mean, they're really just process of elimination games in a lot of ways. And they're like, if, like solving them the first time, yeah. And then like, there's there's a way. It's fun to kind of go back and sort of figure out like all the weird tricks you can do in the levels to sort of make crazy things happen. Like you know, there's all the challenges to say like, oh, kill them with this thing. You're like, how in the world can I kill someone with that thing? Yeah. And you slowly sort of piece together all that, all the how the because the each level is sort of like a big moving puzzle box, and you just got to figure out where to be and what to do at the right time to make it happen. Um, and I enjoy that, but you know, I've been playing these on and off, you know, for the whole time. And I do like that you can import your your progress from the other game, from Hitman Two and One and Two, and so then you have all of Hitman One, Two, and Three in this game. And it's in, in the menu. Install. It's all just it's sitting really there, nice. right? And you can select it right from the main splash yeah. screen, all of it. Yeah, I'll say this: the oh, menus really were a good. little confusing, though. Like. The menus are not great, and I've found myself back. I mean, they're the same as Hitman Two. Like, it's not. I'm used to it. I did but not play like, Hitman Two. Hitman Two. The, the menus are almost identical. Um, it's 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 basically the same interface for, for that matter. So the big difference in from Hitman Two to Three um, is they put a lot more money into the cinematics and story in this one. Um, you could. I'll be honest with you. You could never tell. <laughs> you can absolutely tell. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you like, can because you played Hitman Two. Right. I'm just playing this but game, and if you're saying this is more... I am, because in in this game, there are cinematics. 
So Hitman 2 didn't have any, is Hit, what you're saying. Hitman 2 had, you know, Hitman 2 is the same formula where there's a cinematic, and then you do the the briefing, and then you play the mission, and then you get a cinematic, and you play, 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 play the briefing. But the cinematics in Hitman 2 were still still shots uh, moving. You know, that kind of like am motion comic uh-huh. thing. Yep. That's what this, and the cinematics in Hitman 1 are fully rendered CG. Cinematics in Hitman 2 were motion Stills. comics, and now the cinematics in the Hitman 3 are CG again. Yeah. So clearly they got their budget back or whatever. I mean, there's something, something going on there. Uh, the other difference is that there is a lot more narrative happening in the levels themselves. Um, in both Hitman 1 and, and Hitman 2, the story was sort of incidental to what you were doing in the levels. Like usually in the levels, you're like, okay, the guys you're supposed to kill are like related to whatever big conspiracy you're trying to crack open. But really you're sort of playing the puzzle box. You know, you're not really thinking too much about the overarching story of the game. You're trying to figure out how to drop a chandelier on the rock star or whatever, you know? And I'll say um, this, like, in, that, in Hitman's this one, been like that for a long time. Yeah, but in this one, uh, Not, they are telling more, they're telling more of the overall narrative inside the levels. And on one hand, I find that interesting because it makes playing the level more interesting because there's the narratives unfolding as I'm sort of going through this and trying to assassinate these guys. On the other hand, when I go back and play that level again, it's fucking boring because I can't skip all the talking and yeah. I just want to get on with it. And so, but there's like weird little things like, you know, they've, they've one of the fun things about the, these games is that they have what's called mission stories in them, yep. where if you go in the right place at the right time, you'll overhear something or see something that kind of starts you on a little narrative thread that like can get you closer to the target or give you a, a unique way to kill a guy or something. Mm-hmm. That's usually and what this, it is. It finds a unique yeah. way to kill him. Yeah. And in this her. one, like they get real intricate with some of them. The second level, actually, you can end up having to solve a, a locked room murder mystery. Um, and like question every like it turns into like a full on like, like clue. chamber drama like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like it, it's pretty and like you can get you can choose the wrong person and you can figure out the right person or you can not choose them and then like, and then in the middle of it I don't even know what happened I oh there's a there's another murder plot happening at the same time so you don't solve it fast enough the person you're supposed to report to dies because they yeah. someone else murders them like there's there's a it's all the moving parts that make it interesting and I will I, I really enjoy kind of the the way this these games kind of do their thing and fit together. Um, but re- it is it's the really same free thing. form. It, it is very said, free form. You can, you can complete most missions in a bunch of different ways, but yeah. there's always one really easy way to complete it. So the first, the first level I played, um, I went in, I had no idea what I was doing. I had not played a Hitman game in a long time. I quickly figured it out though, because this game feels like it was made in like, I don't know, like 2008 or something like that. It's the way the controls work. Um, the AI is like non-existent for the enemies. And so there are a million different ways that you can do stuff. But the, in the first level I played, I did that. I walked all around the huge complex in Dubai. I created all those little stories you were talking about and figured out a way to like, I found a fuse and then I like went in and like electrocuted the floor and then I dropped like a thing on the, and you can like mess around with the game. But the problem is when you start messing around with it, it starts to get confused. So in the very first mission, you have to assassinate someone and he has a guard that follows him around. So basically what, what I ended up doing was I found another guard. I killed him. I stole his disguise. And then I followed the guy around and his bodyguard, when he got separated from his bodyguard a little bit, 
I killed the bodyguard. And then I became his bodyguard. And in the cinematics, he would start talking to me as, as if I were the bodyguard. And that seemed great as it was working. And then, like, ten minutes later, I'm watching a cinematic, and here comes his bodyguard, the guy who I had already killed. He just walks up and reappears. And all of a sudden... The cinematics are still talking to me, but this other bodyguard is, like, following us around. It's like they give you a lot of leeway to kind of mess around with the game, but the game is not structurally sound enough to make it work without it becoming absurd eventually. Like a lot no, of I do this... not agree with that at all. Really? Like, like I came I across know. all I've kinds of weird any... stuff like that. I, you, you, you saw a different guard. Like... No, he showed up and then started tracking and following us around the building. He yeah, that's a attached guard. to that guy. Yeah, he that guy switches bodyguards at one point halfway through that mission. No, he switches because, because, you become the bodyguard. Well, there's you get the two papers and then you yeah, but he's got another bodyguard that that's like latches onto him then and then if you pass the throwing knife test, the other bodyguard is dismissed for the day. Yeah, I passed I did all that. And Matt, that's not what happened here. This was literally just out of nowhere. There was no cinematic where he's like, "Hey, welcome back. Are you my new detail?" He just showed up. Like, we're, I'm in a cinematic, he's talking to me, and this dude just walks into frame and just stands there. And then he follows us around for the whole rest of the mission. Like, I ended up killing him. So I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell? Like, it was a glitch. Like, and I found I don't a, think it is, because that's his other bodyguard. No, You're not you the only bodyguard. I had killed them all. All of them. And I had walked around, he and I, alone, for a good, like, 20 minutes. And then yeah, just, you're, you're, you were missing someone, because the the... the he has multiple bodyguards that break off and, okay, and, okay, and so latch on. Here's what I thought might have happened: was I didn't remember to snap his neck. I did. I. I. No, they won't. They won't come back. They won't wake up again if you if you subdue them. They oh, don't they come will. Back. Oh yeah, they will. Unless someone wakes them up. They will. I've seen well, did guys you hide get him? up. When did I you forget to like, snap their necks, yeah, they'll get back you, up. But did you hide him in a box? No. Okay, if you hide them in boxes or whatever, They're like they will never be found. Uh, well, I would just leave. I left him laying on the ground. So okay, it, so yeah, someone might have woken him up if you didn't snap. So his it may neck. be a case where I did forget to snap his neck, and he showed back up, but it doesn't compute with the game. Like the game didn't tell the character, no, like dude, like you're not a, a part of this anymore. So he ended up showing up and just following us around. Like I just saw lots of weird stuff like that. The other thing too is that like you can find a million different ways to solve a mission. But so after that first mission and I did that and really fiddled around with the game, it took me like an hour and a half to finish the first mission. Second mission, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to play this a little differently. I broke into the mansion. I found a gun and I just killed everybody. And it was easy. I just stood in a bathroom and they literally every enemy in the whole mansion just funneled to that bathroom door. And there was a stack of bodies like three feet high outside the bathroom door. I killed everybody and just walked around, collected everything, accomplished all my missions and left and finished the whole thing in like 18 minutes. It's like it gives you. Yeah, you, you can st- do that if you want. That's not how you're supposed to play the game. But well, first of all, I, I will never agree to there's a, w- a way you're supposed to do anything, particularly play a game, particularly play a game like this that gives you the option to do whatever you want. Well, the sure, bottom line I mean, is it's not feasible to just do whatever you want in this game and have it remain fun and not break it. I um, disagree completely. Okay. I think, you're play- I, th- I think it just might not be for you, but I appreciate the intricacy of it, and I do not agree with what you're saying about the game. Well, then tell me what I'm wrong. You can't just say that and not explain it. Well, because I already explained it. They're like puzzle boxes. The levels are puzzle boxes. What you're talking about where you don't see the bodyguard comes from. I totally get that, Matt, but you don't have to play along. You're basically like humoring the game. 
They don't limit you, but if you want to break the puzzle box and get to the candy in the center, I guess that's your prerogative, but like there's other ways to do it. It's like, like torturing yourself. Why would you go through all the hassle of all the and some of the stuff is dumb and contrived and like literally from like 2008. Why would you subject yourself to that when you could just end it? Like I don't because know. That's not the point. The that's, point that's is to enjoy game. playing games. Like I don't enjoy doing. And I stuff enjoy that. figuring out how to make all that happen and get all the puzzles solved like that. That's the enjoyment of these Hitman games to me. And like the point is not just to get through them and be. The point them. for the, me was to extinguish the target. Okay. Like I'm why would you take you. an hour and a half to do that when you could? And literally, I watched a speed run yesterday. Somebody completed the first mission in nine seconds. Yeah, like if you know what you're doing, you can go through and do. Because I mean, the other thing too is you collect stuff throughout the game and then you keep it. Right. So you can go back and, you, and replay the you levels. You go back and have different loadouts. And I have the right no interest in doing that at all. Well, then this is not the game for you. It's, that's, no, it's that's, definitely not. I, I'll be honest with you. I did not enjoy playing this game hardly at all. The controls are clunky. The gunplay is a joke. The traversal mechanics are messed up and don't work half the time. Like, you can't see the B-roll, but, like, right now I'm, like, shimmying across and then getting ready to go down a pole. You do that. You, it's like you can't figure out where you're supposed to go. Then when you do, you, like, the shim, the ledge shimmy, have you noticed how he just kind of, like, walks along the ledge? Like, they never animated it right? Like, the game, like, the AI, the enemies are just idiotic. You can run right in front of them and then go hide in a basket, and they're like, oh, okay, like... So, look, well, if you're going to give me all these ways to do this stuff, it has to be compelling. Like, I just felt like I was just, like, setting up props. It's like I said. Well, like, then well, you should play it on master difficulty because they don't let you do that on master. Ah, well, maybe that is the case. Maybe that's what I would recommend then is to play it on a harder difficulty. Because you're seeing it, like, actually, the B-roll right now is if showing you're gonna me go just Rambo mowing people on it, down then, yeah, inside you should, play on, you should play on master if you want to try to go Rambo on it because you'll die in five seconds. Um, cause they have, they, they don't let you off the hook anymore after that. But on professional, yeah, you can, you can get away with some weird shit, but you that's sort of part anything. of the entertainment. Like, dude, there's no tension. And after I figured all this out, there was no tension in the game. Well, the I could run into a room the, and shoot someone in the head and they just run out and hide in like a hamper. And it's like, well, see, cause like, here's the thing in, in one, in my view of this game, if I have to shoot someone, I failed like the, the, the maximum, point spread the maximum bonus and the maximum level up you're going to get is if you go in only kill the usually two people that you're supposed to kill leave no evidence yeah, no. and get out without doing like anything after I did that and, mission i got messy professional or whatever and i didn't get as much bonus <laughs> points but i don't care i don't care i don't need the bonus points i don't need anything well then as you long as i have a gun i can complete the next mission well, then no you problem should probably stick to call of duty but you're asking you're basically saying like suspend like reality to try to milk the game for fun like that doesn't make sense to what me. does reality have to do with i don't video have to do games. this matt i don't have to do this with other games this is the only well, game i've had to do man. this with in the last like 10 years do what i don't i guess like, i don't understand like, what you it's like you're manufacture the fun you are you are intentionally assassin. prolonging the level to make it fun that's what you're doing you don't have don't to take that long to play each level. You are intentionally spending an hour longer than you have to to make it fun. I just I've wanted to complete the message, and it wasn't fun. Things. It's broken. The AI is janky. The enemies are stupid. Because you're trying to break it. What? You're trying to break it. I'm not trying it, to break it. I'm just way. playing the game. It's breaking all on its own. Gun. You're not supposed to run and gun and hit What man. do you mean like, suppose, dude? There's nothing on the box that says, when you play this game, you got to play it like this. That's not how it works. You buy the it game is, and you put it, it in your system and you play it. You, I can't believe you have this perspective. 
My That's insane. My how can you? How, okay. How am I supposed to listen to an album? How am I supposed to watch a TV show? How am I supposed to watch a movie? It's bullshit. You're not supposed to consume art like that at all. I can't believe you're saying this. I'm saying it because it's a stealth puzzle game, and you're upset that it doesn't play well as a shooter. Does it say stealth well puzzle game on the cover? Does it say when you play this, you got to play it like it's a stealth Are puzzle game? Are you of all people going to argue with me over genre pigeonholing? Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about your perspective on this. You're giving it a pass it, for all its it shoddy not, stuff because you're actually you working around the shoddy parts of the game to make it fun. It's like complaining that you can't play Call of Duty by just throwing grenades at people all day. It's not what the game is meant to do. And you can do it that way. You can, like, run and gun and shoot everybody in the bathroom. But if you think that's all the game is, then I can't help you. The game to I me mean, is, is assassinating the targets. It that's is not a controversial statement to say that Hitman is a stealth puzzle game that is not going to work too well if you just decide to shoot everybody in no, the head. No, the controversial statement is you're supposed to play it like blah, blah, blah. Well, you're you not, are. There's no such thing as supposed to play something in any way. Of course there I is. I should be That's able to ridiculous. play it. In this game of all you of them, can. it's like you can play it however you want. That's the whole thing. Sure, but if you are going to look, I'll just stop for a second. Jesus Christ. If you're going to look at all the challenges and all the things they lay out as objectives for you in the, the, in the rest of the level under the missions and the mission stories and the challenges and the bonus stuff, there are all these ways they want you to try and explore the level and figure out how to do things. And none of them involve hiding in a bathroom and killing people and stacking up bodies. You can do that. It's I don't, don't want to say it's fun. I don't watch trailers or whatever for other games and be like, they're telling me how to play the game. So now to make it I'm fun, about trailers. I have to I'm play about it the, the way that they're telling me to play it. That's insane. It's, about, it's an objective. And I completed an, the objective. I killed the other, target. But I'm saying there's other ways to do that. The point is not to just get through the game and kill the people. The idea is like you're supposed to go back and play those levels over and over and master all the different ways you can kill people. That's supposed to be the fun of Hitman. But see, if you don't I, I, think but that's Matt, fun, because, then it's not the, of the game for you. But because of the other problems, I had no interest in doing that. None. Because of the AI and, and all the other stupid problems, quirks about it. I don't think those problems are significant if you are playing it to do the challenges I mean, in the stealthy way. I came way. across so much dumb crap. Like, because, again, it's just janky. It's like there's this one scene where you stab a water cooler with a screwdriver, and then you jimmy with, like, an electrical outlet on the floor, and obviously, duh, you use it to electrocute people. But the game's broken. So when you go to jimmy the thing, you have to make sure you're on the one side of the plug, or you get electrocuted and die. It's just... There's stuff like that all over the I game. I don't think that's accidental. Then that's annoying and bad design. Like I wouldn't say it's bad design. It is annoying. Well, you can't even see the water. Like Anyway, uh, obviously, you feel like if you intentionally go in playing it a certain way, you're going to enjoy it. If you I decide to go and play it as a hitman who is trying to be a silent assassin, then it works better. I did yes. that. I totally did that. I went in and assassinated people and got out. That's the job. Like, Were you silent? Did you did you actively for try parts to avoid of it, killing sure. people? Other parts, I use my guns, and that's the other thing too. It's like you you could do what I did, and you can stand in a bathroom and just mow down the enemies as they're coming. Then you go down to the second floor, and people are walking around dust and shit. Like I don't know, man. <laughs> I'll say this: I, mean, I think we've given free- people a clear picture of what the game is, which is really our job. <laughs> if, if, if everybody reacts to what you do, I mean, that's one of the things I actually like about it versus other stealth games where you blow one thing and all of a sudden everybody in the level knows where you are and they're you all can't talking. But in this game, anymore. they're all talking on radios and like again, it's like 
Again, this it's game a is not They're... a high quality game. I don't think. I think it's I don't low agree quality. With any of that. I think what it's trying to do, it accomplishes. It's maybe not for everybody, and I'm used to it because I've played the other two games in the in the trilogy. Um, and maybe I'm comparing it to the old Hitman games, which I found mostly unplayable. I have played um, a lot of Hitman. I just had not played the last one before this one. These three, these three, I mean, these three are all the same. They're, 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 I mean, there's little upgrades, but it's not a coincidence that you can import one and two into this game because they haven't changed it particularly drastically. But I think um, there the, was one the game that actually started Hit- this. It was, was it called Hitman Evolution or something? Hitman Absolution, Absolution. Was, the, was the last game before these. That was the this first is, one that really started cracking open where you could do stuff like any way you want. That was to. that kind of you could see absolution as like a prototype right. for these. Yeah. yeah. It's and uh before That was that, the last you, one that I like finished and then I played the next one not that far, maybe a few hours and I never touched two. I didn't finish that. I didn't finish Absolution although I liked what they were after. I think they finally got there in Hitman 1 of this whatever you want to call this trilogy or it's, it wasn't really a reboot because it's all still kind of in continuity yeah but it's like I this don't know, is I also the final like story i should add we didn't even talk yeah, this about is the, the end of this trilogy or whatever well, that's so. another thing we didn't talk about the plot because it doesn't matter like the plot, I the plot there. in the series is bizarre <laughs> the like, story well, is also, like it's bizarrely whoosh. short like the first the first yeah. game is like you're assassinating people and at the end of the first game you find out that there's a there, there's it's, over the course of the first game you find out that there's a shadow client who is like hiring different people to kill different people as does and basically the, the 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 assassination company that 47 works for you're annoyed because you're not supposed to be used that way or whatever so you go to find out who the shadow client is and at the end of that you find out that like the shadow client is actually part of some like super higher level shadowy organization called providence and that's the end of the game. Like, it's basically Act 1. Like, they clearly plan this as a trilogy because Act 1 is the first game. And then the second... And some guy is also hunting you who seems to know who you are. And then in the second game, you find out that that guy is, like, a childhood friend of 47s and you find and you get to learn more about his past. And then at the end, they decide not to kill each other. And then the third game is about them working together to take down the people that run the whole shadowy cartel. And I haven't finished 3 yet. I'm halfway through it. But I'm on like, Mission 4. And I did go back and played some play some only hitman. Six. I played some two. Yeah, it's, it, there's only like six missions in all three of them, I think, or maybe there's only five in one. That's yeah. And, and again, like, like, you can finish like three, them very quickly. They added like three DLC missions in two uh, later on, and I assume they'll do the same on this one. They're not like story mi- missions, but they're just another big location puzzle. Because you know, yeah. the idea is you're not supposed to like just go through the game and you're done. You're supposed to go back and master all the challenges in the in the different levels uh, and sort of see how they all play out. Um, it's I, I went back to some of the Hitman 2 levels to sort of compare. Um, I feel like it's going to be harder to go back to Hitman 3 stuff so far because it's so narratively involved that I feel you have to wait around for things to play out more than the other games did. Um, I don't know much I'm, about maybe, the lore of Hitman or the plot coming into this game, but I will say this. I knew enough to know this much. is the end. Like There is yeah. a lot of finality in this story. Lots of people yeah, die. There- yeah, you're definitely building to uh, you're building to something in this one, even as far as I am. So I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more Hitman games, but um, also I think this is a preview of what their 007 game is no, going to look sure. like. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, Matt. It makes me really nervous for that 007 game. Um, look, I, obviously, I know I am going to like that 007 game. I feel like you better have a plan for the people who are going to just pick it up because they like 007 and are going to be alienated by how weird this is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind I, of arcade. Because I like it, but it's I think like, there's going to be like a lot of people. I feel like it's held together by, like, scotch tape a lot of the time. Mm, I mean, if you once you get really into one of these levels and sort of dig into it and try to solve all these challenges in different ways to assassinate... I mean, I did a lot of that see, stuff on the first level. The, I know, I, I but you, like I, let, me finish, let me finish my sentence. The uh, I, you see the elegance of kind of how all the pieces work together in a single level um, to the point that sometimes when I've done that on Hitman 2, I haven't really done that on Hitman 3's levels yet, but on Hitman 2, I would do that and really get in and master all the challenges in the level. And then I would move on to a next level and it felt like starting just completely over. Like it felt like it, it felt like being in an alien environment where I didn't understand how anything, how anything worked again. And you had to kind of learn that all over. And that's a very specific form of value. You know, not everyone wants to do that with a game. Not everyone wants to do the thing where you know it's like I, it's I mean, like that. Thing probably you the best way to, to put it is if you if you're not the type of person who likes to play the same level over and over again to perfection, you're probably yeah. not going to get your money's worth out of this game. Yeah, you are, there is a reason each level has a uh, you have you know you have your levels that you level up as your kind of overall player level, but then each level has a level called mastery. Yep that you level up every time you get experience in that level and you level up to 20 and that's how you unlock all the other uh, objects and different ways, different equipment things and different places you can start in the level. So you can like start, you know, instead of on the outside or you can start in the kitchen disguised as a kitchen guy. And that gives you an advantage if you want to complete one particular story or a certain challenge way to kill somebody, that kind of thing. Um, But that is the point of the game. Like the you are buying basically six toys in the form of levels. Yeah, there's just six levels and you can complete them pretty quickly. So if you're not the type of person who does want to go back and perfect your play or find, you know, five different ways to do the same thing. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I had to buy this game with my own money and I regret it. I, uh, I I do not because I knew what I was getting into, I guess. But like, like this game is not if you want to go through and play a cinematic story about a hitman killing people in various locations around the world. This is a game where you want to use each level as a toy and a puzzle box and something to go back to and 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 master and dig into over and over again. And I'd be and more apt to do that it. if I didn't think the mechanics were crap. Like yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're crap. I think they are. Uh, the fisticuffs. Funky. You don't think they're crap? Well, I if I get in a fisticuffs, I've failed and I reload the game. Oh, I restart the mission. Like I that don't. is n- that is not a thing well, I do. Because I, well, I'm telling you, the fisticuffs are crap. When I, I mean, <laughs> the gunplay is happen. crap. I, I get in the fight with them because that's not the point. Like that's not what they're trying to do. They're not trying to do an interesting melee combat. They I mean, don't put it in there. With, like, I mean, they're then there they would actually wanted. send me the message of you need to do it the other way. Well, the, the way they send you the message is you lose points if that happens. Yeah, you I guess get I just spotted, don't care. Or you have to get in a fist fight, because or you have to not, kill someone who's not a the target. The other thing, too, is that they give you everything you need in each level. So you don't even need to carry anything over. It's like every level you get a screwdriver and a crowbar and, like, the wire, and you have the camera at all times. Yeah, um, the it, camera's a new wrinkle. The camera was yeah. not... Uh, like, you had the camera in the other games, but it wasn't, you know, like, like the scanning things yeah. in this game. I know the you camera, love that. That's new. That's new. <laughs> Well, actually, I find that annoying because like annoying. It, the stuff you're supposed to scan with the camera does not show up with I your know. Hitman sense, it's which annoying. I'm like, okay, I didn't know you were going to do that because there is no introduction to this to game, anything. really. There's, no, there's a tutorial at the beginning, which is the same tutorial that was in the Hitman 1 because you import the whole thing and it's the same sort of mm-hmm. training scenario. But like the the sudden the sudden like emphasis on using the camera was new in this game and I had to get used to the idea that 
I was supposed to pay attention to the map. And if there was a camera icon, there was something to find through the camera. Um, that was, that was weird. Um, it, do, it really does expect you to have played the other games. Yeah. I mean, the tutorial um, doesn't really tell you crap, but I kind of like that at first because you do realize very quickly that, wow, this is just a place and they give you the objectives and you have to kind of sort it out on your yeah. own. Um, and I liked that at first. And then I started to realize that it was all pointless and that's when I lost interest. Uh, once I got like my first gun, I was like, uh, what am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my time? Cause I honestly, I think the mechanics in this game are awful, Matt. Like I think the shooting sucks. I even think the walking and the running sucks. I think the traversal is awful. Um, the fisticuffs are a joke. There's literally one punch and then you hit triangle and you finish an enemy. You're right. Like this isn't, you know, they probably don't want people doing a bunch of melee everywhere. So they make it really simple, but it just, I don't know, man. Um, but I do, I will say this. I think we have, because clearly we have two people on different sides of the game. I think we've done a good job of laying out to people, whether they're going to like the game or not. And that's really what we're here to do is to tell people whether they should buy the game or not. And I think we've done a good job with that, with our discussion. Um, I think if people are like me and they're like they're really into gameplay and responsive controls and action, um, I think they should stay away. I think if there's someone like you who likes to kind of plan their way and fiddle around with stuff a little more, then I think they might like it a lot more. So um, I would not buy this game. I definitely wouldn't buy it at full price. No way. I regret buying it. And it's not even I, – I got the PS5 version. And I'll say this. It's not like the extra 10 bucks. It's still 60 bucks. Which is mm -hmm. good because I'd be really pissed off if I had paid seventy for this game. There, there are a couple of pretty things. I'm playing on the Series X. There are a couple of pretty places that uh, certainly outshine the the other two games, yeah. like the the big the big kind of water. I don't know what you call it. I guess the the terrace or something on the top of the Dubai building. Oh, the it, atrium just, or whatever. It's like it's like all like reflecting pools and yeah. like it's just like endless ray tracing and like yeah, yeah. lighting effects. It's like they're showing off, but it, it it looks nice. It looks okay. Like it definitely doesn't look like a PS5 or a Series X game though. Like, no, seven needs to look better than this. Is what I'm getting. It look at like Miles Morales, but it looks better yeah. than the other two uh, games. Yeah. Even and so that's good. Also, it's nice playing it on the new systems because the load time is like a third. Oh, of what yeah. you, the load times on Hitman Two on like the old previous gen systems. Oh, it was like a minute. It was like a minute to Jeez. get to load a save or get back to the yeah, game. Quick. It was it was bad. Yeah, um, and you do. And I will say this: you do have to like if you're gonna fiddle around. You do have to like restart a lot. So yeah, and, and the other have, thing I found myself doing was saves, was saves coming. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing on master difficulty. One save. That's all you get. Oh, you get one save. I mean, per, I, per honestly, level. I don't think I've I've even used more than one. I I, I use I use saves because if I know there's a place where a story or a, or an assassination option branches. I just want to load that back up and uh, not go through the whole level again. I just like, so I can, I, okay, I'll do this and choose this instead. And so I can get that challenge with a quick reload instead of playing a whole 15 minute mission again. I use the extra save slots for when I was playing out in the living room away from my capture station. So mm. if I got to a point, I'm like, oh, I want to make sure I can capture this. I'd save there. Right. So then when I went back to capture, I could just grab it really easy. But the yeah, I, I'm capturing this, I would imagine, is. Um, a lot of walking until you get to a part that actually is interesting. Yeah, most, most games when I capture, I just let it roll, you know, because there's yeah, just... Yeah, you can't do that in this game. No, there's going to be just, a lot of wandering. There's just dead air, just tons of dead air. And so there's I ended up three like, minutes of me crouched behind a couch. Yep, I sucked up a lot of uh, gigs on my hard drive with worthless footage that I'm going to have to go back and delete, but, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, but I, I am curious, like... Um, 
even as some, as someone who likes these games a lot, um, if 007 will be super in line with it. Uh, because I like pity the GoldenEye fan who just picks oh. up the new Bond game and ends up with that. I know. Um, like I, I don't. don't they I, would be stupid. I would imagine the Bond <laughs> game would have to be more action oriented. I would this. also imagine the license holders would make sure that the Bond game is a lot more action oriented. I mean, maybe, but we saw some of the crap uh, EA put out under that license. We'll well, that's see. true. That's true. Uh, so anyway, that's Hitman Three. Uh, it's available for pretty much everything, even Switch. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's no no shortage. There's is, a, cloud is a cloud version cloud for Switch, yeah. which apparently I've, I've I saw on social media it runs okay. Like it's playable. So yeah, I mean, I the only cloud Switch thing I have experience with, it, I played the demo the demo of Control, and it was no, you know, you could tell it wasn't running na- locally, yeah. but it because it looked decent. <laughs> Yeah, it looked fine. <laughs> I'm it, it looked better than it probably would look running natively on the Switch. Yeah, I wouldn't. Which, I like, mean, honestly, I think this game could maybe run on Switch. To be honest with you, like if they no. can get Doom Eternal to run on Switch, this game could run on Switch. I don't think. I don't you, think. You'd have to get rid of like the ray tracing. Whatever this game is running on, I don't think it's nearly as efficient as ID's yeah. engine. It I mean, you could look. You'd have wizards. to get rid of like the ray tracing, and you'd have to cut down the crowd sizes and stuff. But otherwise, like the character models and all that stuff, they could totally run on Switch. Like, they yeah, but I think work. if you lose, if you lose like the crowds and stuff, you've lost. Part a of the bit game, of luster. Like, like and it's just not worth Doom it. it. If you can just put a cloud Doom version Eternal up, why works. would you spend all that money? Like one of the time. reasons Doom Eternal works is because its tech is magic. Yep. And I, I, as much as I like IO Interactive, they are not magic. They are definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So anyway, there's Hitman Three. I, I appreciate. Isn't it kind of crazy that that company has made that same series for like? 25 years or something I know. like how they've could just you not made hitman games forever and they're so drab and like serious it's like i would go crazy if i had to work on that ip for 20 years you want to do something you want to have some have some fun not fun but you want to have some fun go back load up the first hitman game which you can probably get for like two dollars on steam or something and try to figure out how to pick something up yeah I mean that's <laughs> the other thing the, the like control scheme in this presses. like no, none of the buttons are where you expect them to be like they don't follow the control like like the crouch is like clicking L like the reload isn't square like all these buttons that have just been used for stuff for like years and years this game just ignores all that you have to completely relearn the control scheme which whatever. it is it is its own control scheme for that sure. is for sure yep all right it's time to get to Q&A people and time for me to put on my reading glasses so I can read the tiny print on this iPad uh, we have some time to get through a good many questions so if you guys have any hit them up hit hit us up uh, the first one from Vincent Sifted. Um, do you regret not drafting Biomutant? Matt, so I guess you heard today we finally got a release date for Biomutant. Yeah. Also coming in May after multiple delays. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. No. Because, <laughs> like, I don't... <laughs> That I don't trust that game factor. at all. I mean, I think the blurb on this on the story you curated even said like you might want to hold off on your pre order till we know more because like this clearly had some trouble yeah. along the way. In a game that gets delayed that much, no way I would draft it in a fantasy. No, league. that's no. I mean, I mean, I'm interested, flag. but like, yeah, I don't have the confidence enough to put it on the on the team. Yep. Um, Commander Fett, would you ever consider bringing back the deep dive show? Yes. Um, a lot of the stuff that we had planned for Sifted 2.0 that went down the toilet was because of COVID, um, not being able to be together in a room to do stuff. So deep dives, definitely something that'll be coming back. I, and I will say this, I apologize. I know I promised that we were going to do a spoiled over the holidays. It just didn't work out. Um, 
and I, I, I do apologize because I said we would do one and we didn't. Um, but it just with the timing of everything and the holidays, it just didn't happen. Um, so I hate whenever I promise something and I don't deliver. I try to never do that. Uh, but that was one case where I did. Deep dives, yes. I think they'll be coming back. Um, once we can all get back together in here and everything isn't like a logistical nightmare to produce stuff, like – you know, I keep all this hidden, all the work that I'm doing behind the scenes to make all this stuff happen. It sucks. It really sucks. And I'm really tired of it. I've been doing it for a year now. I would love to have Matt sitting right here beside me right now and Jared in that room right there right now. You realize I'm doing two jobs at once. I'm running a TriCaster and trying to host a show. Um, I'm done. I'm sick of it. I'm fed up. I can't wait to get vaccinated. I can't wait till all three of us are vaccinated. Uh, to, so we can get back to life normal again. Um, I'm really at the end of my rope with it, to be honest with you. I'm tired of having to clean this place over and over again. I'm sick of all of it. So yeah, you got about six months of it. Left, I know, so. I know, dude. It's freaking killing me. But you know, I'll fight through it like everybody else is. Everyone else is in the same position. It sucks for all of us. But and I think all of us are over it as well. Uh, next up from Lestevad, uh, Shane, have you played uh, Thief One and Two? They are the best stealth games ever created. I played the first Thief, and yes, it blew my mind when it came out. That was a long time ago, though. And I did not play Thief 2. But I thought people said Thief 2 wasn't uh, quite up to scratch. That's what I remember. Thief 2 is by far the best one. Oh, it is? Okay. By far. Yeah, I haven't played It is really good. I'm not a gigantic stealth guy. I'm not against it. Um, I like games that allow me to choose between the two. Mm and allow me to use stealth where it makes sense and allow me to use guns where it makes sense. I don't like being pigeonholed ever and being told how to play a game, as you guys just, just saw from my Hitman 3 discussion. I don't like it. Um, so, no, I have not played uh, The Second Thief, but maybe I should if I ever have some time. Thanks for the recommendation. Let's if you ahead. do that, go ahead and stream it because that would be entertaining. Would it? <laughs> okay. Uh, next up from Yakov226, uh, Konami has announced gaming divisions will be dissolved. What's going on at Konami? Oh, we already we did a whole topic on this. Uh, so make sure you watch the, uh, the archive. Uh, minority Games. I just found out that Easy Mode for Souls games is using magic. Matt, would you agree with that? Uh, not in all of them. Um, I think you could make an argument that it's easy mode in Demon Souls and Dark Souls 2. Um, but the nature of how the mana works in Dark Souls 1 and 3 makes it kind of a non-starter to me. It would be, be harder to manage, especially in 3, it would be harder to manage than it would to just learn how to use a sword and shield properly. Lately, late night, when I have like an hour before I pass out and I just kind of go through YouTube real quickly, um, I've lately been watching these videos where people try to complete games under very specific conditions, like um, beat Resident Evil 4 without using the item box. Just really goofy stuff. And I don't watch the whole thing. Like I just skim through it or whatever and then get to the end where they're like, oh, I couldn't do it or I could do it. But it's very interesting. A lot of them are based around like Dark Souls, Demon Souls. Uh, and I'll say this, like... A lot of the people who do those crazy runs with those games do use magic casters. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but I've watched, like, Demon Souls walkthroughs. Like, I don't know if the game is broken, like, the balance is broken, but there are some people that can literally play that game and never get touched using magic. Mm -hmm. And, like, they just, like, snap their fingers and, like, the enemies just fall down on the ground, like... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're min-maxing, um, and they are very good at knowing where they need to be and how they need to do things. Like, you would not it's find that that easy. 
similar to like if you watch uh there was a breath of the wild story curated today i think about like a, a guy who's played the played the game for like 2600 hours or something mm. and he shows you how to do all these crazy uh-huh. like two frame cancels and yep. all this stuff in the cover yeah. like this stuff like that like you yep. know it's it's Stuff where it's it looks super easy, but you don't know that like fourteen different inputs just happened in the last two seconds. Yep, and that kind of thing. So you're saying it and looks Dem- far s- more simple than it really is. Yeah, you, you don't. It's not. I've tried to duplicate some stuff like that, and it's not as easy as it looks. Like you can get there, but it would take practice. Okay. But I do think that uh, Demon Souls and Dark Souls Two are the most viable magic easy mode builds. That's certainly how I got through Dark Souls Two the first time was using magic. So, so you use magic. Or do you pick in, melee? In Dark in Dark Souls two, I tend to start with magic and then work my way up to melee. Okay. And uh, and switch back and forth as I feel like it because I like to be able to do both. Because um, I think I think the magic in Dark Souls two is fun. Uh, magic in Dark Souls three is more difficult because it's you use it up faster before you have to recharge the uh, the spell bar. So I was, that's more of a melee game to me. Okay. Um, it depends on which one, and I don't. You really use that use the magic. I mean, there's no magic really to speak of in Bloodborne. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's less of an an option there. But yeah, demons. I haven't really played much with magic in Demon Souls, like the old one or the or the remake. But I know that that is one of the things, like you say, the the speed runs and the and the the limiting runs are lean heavy on the magic. This is a way of of striking from a distance, pulling the enemies you want to pull, yep. and just sort of ending things quickly if you need to. Yep, fascinating stuff to watch. Even though I don't really play the Dark Souls games, I like watching people do that stuff. Um, let's dev it. If you steam Steve too, I'm there every time. Hmm. <laughs> um, I think that might be it for questions. Uh, where are the Shane and Matt emotes from Eric, uh, hmm. uh, card Menez? coming. We're working on them. Like you guys have gone so hog wild. And also thanks to everybody who subscribed with Twitch prime. I saw at the beginning, like a lot of people did. Let me see if this iPad will actually scroll up so I can thank you guys on the show. Um, get up kid thank you for twitch prime just gonna try to find gohan rage you were finally able to subscribe again i've been going back and forth with him for like a week and a half he kept wondering why he couldn't do it gohan rage thank you you finally got it sorted um yeah and it just cuts off there unfortunately but thanks to everybody who subscribed with twitch prime it's very very important for us um and in fact if you're watching this show on youtube right now you don't have any cash to support us Head down to the description. Uh, there's details down there on how you can give us a free $2.50 every month, and it is essential for us. It is not extra money. It's money that we need to pay our bandwidth bills and to produce all our content. Uh, so we'd appreciate it if you could do that if you can't afford uh, to contribute to our Patreon. But if you do have some coin kicking around and you enjoy the show, please head to patreon.com sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. You can kick us a dollar a month if you just want to give us some moral support, or you can give us as much as you want if you really love what we're doing. Again, we are supported 100% by patrons on Patreon. Without them, we are nothing. So think about heading on over there and helping us out. Um, if you're trying to find me on Twitter, I am at Dinfire. If you're trying to find Matt, you can find him at MKyle. And I'll say this, too. So we did do the show a little later today. Originally, we were going to do it at 1, uh, but because Matt had some stuff to take care of, we couldn't do it till 5. My guess is there were probably people sitting in here at, uh, at 1 o'clock, like, wondering where the stream was. And to those people, I say, follow us on Twitter, at Sifted Games, because I'll just be honest with you, that's where you're going to get the information. Unless you're going to be on Sifted, you're going to follow, like, our 
um, our thread in the forums where we, we basically tell everybody, you know, hey, the show is happening, blah, blah, blah. You're probably not going to do that. The best thing to do is follow us on Twitter at Sifted Games. Um, it's been a crazy week. This is a great show, by the way. Um, late January, maybe the best late January show we've ever done. Very yeah, rare. Not, not a lot of stuff usually happens. Usually we're just you, scraping we're just for these episodes. Yeah, we're usually just sitting here being like, where are the games? <laughs> yep, usually. But this was a good episode. I had a lot of fun talking with you, Matt. Even though we got in a spirited discussion, I have fun during these discussions <clears> because it always makes me think about things in a different way that I hadn't thought of them before. No, it's hope- more fun when we're in person, though. It as is. As you said. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird doing it through. And I hate, too, how my voice sounds on this show now. My voice sounds like it's coming through a tin can. It sounds like it's a Beastie Boys album. <laughs> I, just, I, hate, I mean, this isn't just this show. It's it's everything involving video conferencing. I just hate the weird delay between hearing and talking and responding, and, t- and no one knows when you're done talking. And it's it's, it's, I, it's I, annoying, I, dude. I mean, obviously, there's other things I'm more sick of about the pandemic. But in terms of like stupid, frivolous shit that I'm sick of, yep. like that's like number one is how, is like the weird the weirdness that the video conferencing stuff adds to interaction. Yep, absolutely. Um, before I go, we've got our new shirts up in the store, sifted.net, sifted.net slash store. Some of the sizes are getting really, really small. We only have a couple of the smalls and the mediums, and I, we may be out of triple XL at this point, and we only have like a couple double XLs left. So if you're any of those sizes, you might want to jump in there as soon as you can. I will be back here next Tuesday at 1 p.m. live on Twitch. Until then, have yourself a great week. Game Face is up and out.